Hello, everyone. Welcome to Frame Trap. It has been a long time. Thank you for your patience uh, while I was in Iowa attending a funeral and uh, going through all that stuff. So I'm sorry. I don't, I really hate, I really do hate delaying Frame Trap. So you guys giving us a little bit of extra time. Super appreciate it. We have a lot of games to talk about today, which I'm very excited about. And to talk about those games, we have Daniel Bloodworth at the end. Bradley, hello. Frame Trap! Brad, you, you have kind of like this. Sometimes you give like the camera like this naughty boy look, and I want you to know. I want you to know I love it. Like, oh, every man. time I see it, I'm like, "What? There's that. There's that spark. Just What's a going smirk through his on head? My face? Yes, yeah. yeah. I do do it's a that. quick. It's a quick bat. Like I you're flirting with that. the camera. I like it. Uh, before we go on, I know I just kind of talked about some funeral stuff, which was a little heavy, but I do want to take a moment uh, to talk about Kyle Bossman. Um, just because the day that we're recording this, it's announced that he's no longer going to be a part of Easy Allies. Um, and Kyle is, to all of us, a dear friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's it's interesting going through and reading everything the community is saying about him and that you, you're all 100% right. I mean, he is such a creative force. Uh, and I wanted to talk about Kyle in the context of this show specifically I really love doing Frame Trap, but I don't think I would love doing it if it was if it wasn't for Kyle. I think um, not not in a bad way at all, not in an aggressive way, but I do feel like going on the podcast, seeing all of the creativity that Kyle mm. was pouring into the podcast, it definitely made me. Even though it may not always seem like it, it definitely made me want to push to make Frame Trap better, to be a better host. Um, to try to incorporate as many fun and interesting mm. things into Frame Trap as I can, and I, you know, I want to thank Kyle for doing that. Um, and just two little quick tidbits. I, I kind of mentioned this in the Q and A, but uh, Frame Trap has it was actually kicking around during the game trailers days, and it got shut down <laughs> in like the worst way possible, uh, where some people thought that <laughs> no one would want to watch it, uh, or there were just some things that were. Kind of personally rough for me to hear. Um, and Kyle was never one of those people. Kyle's always believed in it, and Kyle has always been a person of easy allies, regardless of what we're doing, whether mm. it's this show or any idea that we have. He really responds to passion, and if we're passionate about that idea, he will get behind it. Um, and so no matter what happens with Kyle or the future or with easy allies, like he's, oh, as long as this show exists, you know, he's, he's welcome to be on this show. And he also, if you go back and you watch episode one of frame trap, mm. uh, he came up with Hotake, the word Hotake, the thing nice. that's kind of defined this show. Yes. Really? It's oh, even mine. I yeah. remember that. Cause wow. I was doing a, a hot take bit. I don't remember the full context of it, but he put it together cool. and it's stuck. And that, uh, that's kind of like the genius of Kyle, right? Like yeah. his brain just works differently and, and is able to put those things together. So, from the bottom of my heart, just just genuine appreciation. These are the best words that I could find. Yeah, I think we've all learned something from Kyle, yeah. whether we realize it or not. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's going to be even more apparent uh, in the, the coming months that he's not here. Mm-hmm. But it is felt, it is felt immediately, for sure. Um, let's talk about some video games. I don't yeah. know how yeah. else to transition <laughs> this. Yeah. Um, a big one, we Brad, we had a lovely conversation. Ooh. If you want uh, some more in-depth opinions of mine on Neo 2. Mm, about go, 36 minutes, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Go look at that video. I was actually really happy with how that turned out. 
Uh, but Brad, you have started Neo 2. Yes, I started today. Give me your history with Neo and your thoughts on Neo 2. Okay. Uh, played Neo when it came out. I enjoyed it. Uh, never finished it, but I played a lot of it. Then I went back a couple years later and played a lot more of it, but I still haven't finished it. But I enjoyed it, and once 2 was announced, I was like, hell yeah, I'm way in. Okay. So why were you way in if you didn't feel the drive to finish Neo 1? Was it just the right time? So, yeah, a lot of it is timing. Mm. I remember when I was playing Neo, like, I had to do other stuff at the time, too. And Neo's a very demanding game. Mm -hmm. Like, I got to focus up, baby. Like, do feel the grind. I got to feel the grind, kind of, because it's such a big part of the game, I guess. Yeah. Or it was for me. But I need a break from that. But now that Neo 2's here, I'm ready for that again. I'm ready right. to get back into the swing of things. Uh. Something about Neo 2 that we didn't really talk about, and this was true of the original Neo as well, is I've actually kind of appreciated the mission structure. And oh, it's something really? that I've sure. that I've always like in Demon Souls, I actually think it works really well. Like it kind of gives Demon Souls a different flavor going mm -hmm. off to these grotesque areas and then kind of coming back to, to like yeah. And you have that in the interconnected games as well with you know Fire No, but I know what you're stuff. saying, yeah. yeah. And I think part of the reason I like it in Neo is there are times when you'll just get through a mission, and because the mission ends, right, it's not like there's yeah. this huge continuous world to keep exploring. You're like, a break. I feel good for taking a break. Yeah. Uh, and something about that I think is very satisfying. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Um, Brad, before the show, you were mentioning that you were having a hard... You said in Neo that it's very difficult for you to pin down what you want to use. Yes. It's something I struggle with. I don't know why this happens to me in this game, but I can never... I'm never satisfied with any build I try in this game. I don't know why. There's nothing... It's nothing I would say that's per se wrong with the game. It's just something with me. Mm. I just can't... I haven't found anything that's really clicked with me yet. I get bored of something. I want to... I see something new and I want to really play with it. Right. Then I do. Then I'm like, oh... I, it's always the grass is green on the other side for no reason mm. for me and it shouldn't be. Mm. But it is that and I've... Already experienced that today with me, just like, oh, did I make the right choice? Yeah. I'm like, oh, I kind of want to play with this now. You know what I think it is? Or I have a theory. Mm. Let me shoot this at you. So there's so many numbers and buffs in Neo. Yes. Where every piece of armor might be giving you three or four different things. Yeah. And then you incorporate things like stat bonuses and weapon scaling. Yeah. And then you are combining that with the yokai abilities. And so I think just the amount of stuff might create more insecurity in a, in that a specific That could build. be it. I see something shiny. I'm like, ooh, yeah. I kind of want to mess with this. Then I look at my stats, and they're not built around it yet. Because you're, cause you're like, getting mm, stuff all the time. Yeah. It's not like you're going through a mission, and you're only getting a ton of things no, at the end dude. of a mission. Yeah, gear's popping, gear's popping out constantly. Right, you're getting you're getting new gear. And of course, a lot of that is going to be worse than what you have. Yeah. But the, the fact still remains. Also, though... I think a lot of shit is fun to use in Neo. Yeah. Uh, a lot of it is fun to use. It's flashy. Right, that goes a long way. Yeah. Monster Hunter is the same I'm quality. like having a revolution in this, because I'm using the spear right now, and I used the spear a bit in Neo 1, mm -hmm. and I'm just like, maybe I should just use one of the brand new weapons. Yeah. Just something I've never toyed with before. Mm. Maybe I should do that. Right. Which is the Odachi, which you No, used. the Odachi is not new. Oh, that was the DLC item. Yes. Okay, I, I believe, didn't use that. I believe Odachi was DLC. Okay, yeah. that was DLC. It's, it's hatchets and switchglaves. Switchglaves mm. looks kind of cool. Kind of just yeah. reminds me of like a trick weapon from Bloodborne, so maybe... It does look really cool. So I'm like, oh, that's pretty sweet, but the Odachi's pretty sick. 
Brad, I have a fear of what is going to happen with Neo 2. And because I'm, you know, working on it in a critical aspect, there's certainly the incentive to explore thoroughly. But uh, it's like, you know when people say, and this is totally true, when you're playing an RPG and you're like, all right, I'm going to save this stuff for the final boss. <laughs> Not Neo. And then you get to the final boss and you never I never, it. yeah. That's um, me. That's totally me. What I'm worried about is going to happen in Neo 2 is I'm going to be like, okay, well, I'm just comfortable with the Odachi right now, mm-hmm. so I'm just going to use it, and then at the end of the game, I'm going to mix it up, and then I'm going to worry that yeah. <laughs> it's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. The ways in which we lie to ourselves. But I will say in Neo's defense, it makes it pretty easy to respec. Yes. It's not too brutal, so yeah. if you want to toy around, that's there. I just haven't done it yet. Yeah. Which um is good. Yeah, I appreciate that element to it. It's not like Bloodborne where you're just like, boop, you're locked in. Neo, Neo is so fascinating. It's something I said in the preview that I stand behind is I, I kind of it's admire its its willingness to be complex. And I don't I don't think that if you actually spend some time, it's like, you know, super arcane to figure out. Mm-hmm. But I do think it has more layers than a lot of yes, games are willing to do. I think give. it has a lot of layers going on. And there are even just things that are super easy to forget about. So if you play Neo, specifically Neo 2, uh, make sure that you are giving offerings. So there's there's a bunch of things that you can do oh, with your right. excess gear. People complain that there's a lot of yeah. gear and stuff that you get in Neo. And you can turn that into a lot of things. So sometimes, like, soul matching can be very expensive, especially at the mm-hmm. beginning. Uh, so you want to sell stuff. Or you may want to dismantle stuff for materials. Or you can also make an offering at the shrine, I know. which will give you a shit ton of experience, I, which is really good. And then you also get divine rice, so you can, you can restock on things during a mission. I feel like the game really gives you good. so much options so early. Yes. I'm just like, ah, there's too much for me to do. For sure, hmm. for sure. Um, and it's definitely a game, uh, and we talked about this in the preview, where you can kind of overcome it by numbers. So yeah. if you are in yeah, tune yeah. with that stuff and you figure it out, mm-hmm. that will obviously pay a huge benefit. But it's also, it has that get good element, yeah, too. Yeah, of course it as does. Well. Yeah. Um, is there anything about, a, a lot of the complaints that I've seen about Neo 1 that I think have some merit, I don't fully agree with, but I do think have some merit, is I think at a glance people are like, this is too, I saw somebody say this is so similar to Neo 1 that I won't even be able to consider I it. I see, yeah, sure. Do you agree with that? Is so, it- I kind of feel like that, but I feel like just small tweaks have made it even more complex, like the the yokai abilities you can use. Mm-hmm. You're like R2 and you can assign the yokai abilities. Like, yeah. those are really good, and yeah. I'm still trying to train myself to use them more often because I'm so not used to them. Yeah. So I think just like little tiny things like that have made a big Big difference, but I think on the surface it looks very similar. I guess sure. you're like you're in you're in like feudal Japan setting fighting Oni again. Yeah. A lot of them look very similar, but I'm still pretty early in the game, so it's hard for me to like really say. But at first glance, yeah, it does look like Neo One. I uh, I'm not proud to admit this, but I do think the character creator does matter to me more than I was expecting sure. it to. Uh, it looks really good. Yeah, yeah, it does. And I, like, I am now attached to like my Neo Two waifu in a way that I wasn't <laughs> with the protagonist of Neo mm. One, which is nice. Um, and it does look very similar. Uh, it's it's not like a huge graphical leap or anything like right. that. Uh, but I think you are spot on about the yokai abilities. And I think the the success of Neo Two is a bunch of little things that kind of end up mattering a lot mm-hmm. when you think about them. Uh, and something that I didn't talk about in the preview that's cool is as you pick up soul cores, 
they'll say stuff in yeah. a demonic language that you can't understand. Yeah, I saw that today. But huh. then you can eventually understand it. And so okay. you're, you're, you know, these enemies, it's a super minor thing. And this is a thing that Kyle Bossman would appreciate. I told him to play Neo 2 because he was interested mm-hmm. in it. Anyway, uh, it's, it's a super small thing, but hearing kind of these, like, death lines from the yeah. enemies, I think, gives these otherwise nonchalant demons a little, a little bit more. more personality. Yeah, that's good, yeah. And I'm actually surprised. I think there's a number of things you could get into in the ways that Neo 2 does insert personality. And so I think... I also think the beta... I, I saw people say that, hey, I played the beta and I wasn't feeling it or it was too hard mm-hmm. or it seemed too similar to Neo 1, and so I'm not going to play this. And I get where they're coming from sure. because I kind of felt that way after the beta. Hmm. There were some things that I liked, but I do think Neo 2 benefits starting at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I think the way the beta kind of throws you into it uh, is less generous and less welcoming and honestly less interesting than than starting from the beginning where you can really take things yeah, step by step. Yeah, definitely. I do think the game benefits a lot from that as well. Yeah, I agree. I like the the like the yokai form you take. I yeah, think that's pretty fun. Mm-hmm. That's like a nice little change from like just your spirit animal thing doing something. Definitely. Um, and I do think the new enemies that they added uh, add a lot. Mm-hmm. I, I think I think enemy variety was a definitely a weak point in Neo One, not sure. counting the DLC because I didn't play the DLC. Um, but in the base game, and I think I think the new things that they've added into are pretty fun to fight. Even when you, and I love that. Like hmm. the giant monkey guys, the Enki. Um, oh yeah, they throw the spear right. Yes. Those dudes. Yeah. So they were really tough for me at first, and now I've yeah. got them down yeah. like a science. But even though I have them down, they're still. An exciting fight. I yeah. feel like their their move set is diverse enough that they're still interesting. Yeah, definitely. Uh, which I like. Blood, have you played any Neo? Uh, I have not played any of Neo two. And uh, did you play Neo one at all? I I got into those betas and I liked the betas, but I ended up never actually playing hey. like okay. the full full game. Put his toe so. in the water. Yeah. Uh, Blood, I feel like you are a rational man. <laughs> I feel like you make uh, very rational decisions. Some would say the most rational ally. Um, <laughs> I remember you playing a little bit of Monster Hunter World. And this isn't this isn't me trying to guilt you. Right. To play oh, Monster okay. Hunter World. I was like, whoa. No, no, no. Okay. <laughs> I remember you play a little bit of Monster Hunter World, and you you know you played the Neo Beta, and, and I know you've talked about things like Fire Emblem in the past, um, but these are things that you have not been able to dive into. Right. And this isn't a guilt trip by any means. I'm just wondering if you're like, oh, other guys are covering it. I'll go over here and focus on this stuff. Is that kind of where your head is at, or? Um, I think partly sometimes. Mm. Yeah, uh, yeah. You you guys definitely are all over Monster Hunter, and then it, uh, <laughs> I'll say. <laughs> but I you know, love it's, that, that, that. I don't think that was an insult, but just the way that you yeah. said it was so Beautiful. good. Yeah. Yeah. There is. I mean, Neo Two and Monster Hunter, I think, are just very different situations because I think with Monster Hunter, it feels like. Just that ongoing nature of it, and yes. like any any game like that is pretty a, a bit intimidating for me. To where it's just like this is just never going to end. Right. So it's sort of, I think in a way, it's like easier for my brain to deal with the things that like I could finish this in a week. So, sure. <laughs> yeah. Know, so. Blood. I'm so glad you say that because there's two games in particular that I really feel that way with. Mm-hmm. I want to play Final Fantasy XIV so bad. Right. I talk about it every day. I feel like I talk about it every goddamn episode of Frame Trap, but I have that same feeling. I think you articulated it well, where it's like, it's like trying to jump on a moving truck. 
where it's like I'm just trying to get a handle on all this stuff again. And I played a lot of Final Fantasy XIV, but I'm just trying to get a handle on this again. But it's constantly changing and updating, and it just creates this insurmountable wall. That's a bad mindset to have. That won't get you anywhere in life, but I can't help from having it. I also feel that way about Warframe. Oh, yeah. But Warframe, it's not. I know it's not. I've played it enough to realize that it's not. It's not this insurmountable wall, but like every time I think about Warframe, my mind just melts, and that's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but you can't make time for it. Well, here's the thing, Ben. You're already on a train going a million miles I an am. hour yes. with so much stuff that you play already. You'd I, have to like I, I went jump through with the him train. today. There is a list of 13 games. Yeah. That Ben has like been quote unquote assigned, you know, yeah. that he's taken, uh, and then he's like, "Oh, but you forgot about Grand Blue." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you did. You forgot about Grand. This guy did. And the thing is, is, is like, I am putting time into all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just I want to do it all equally, and yeah. that's not good. It's not possible. But so, but yeah, so that's what today was like. Let's prioritize. Like, okay, this is the big thing. Get mm-hmm. through this. Yes. Then we'll do the next thing, and then we'll worry about the other stuff. I yeah. I do not make harsh decisions on games, but it is coming from a place of genuine passion. Absolutely. Like, I really do want to play this stuff. <sighs> Another game. So a game that I am making a decision on. Okay. <laughs> I love it dearly. Uh, the first one, Ori in the Blind Forest. Yeah. Uh, played through all of it two years ago, I think, something like mm. that. I uh, won't be able to play this for like a month or two. Same. Right. Blood is must be nice over here. Daniel Blood <laughs> has been playing Ori and the Will of Dude, the Dude, let Wisp. him like just let him have this must be nice moment. Like what? let the man have his moment. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I feel. I was really just joking. I know, but I I'm was just really like just poor Bloodworth finally gets to play a game at release, dude. Yeah, no. <laughs> well, what I love and again, Blood you have this ability to do things that I think are done for like the most genuine and earnest reasons, but they come off like like an anime character who's pushing up their glasses moment because they're every once in a while on the release schedule. And Blood is super not aggressive. He doesn't try to take a not lot aggressive. of games. Not any of that stuff. But every once in a while, there will be a Luigi's Mansion 3. Yeah. That'll just be like, whoop. Yeah. I feel like. And you know what? The man has earned maybe it. Maybe once a year. The man has maybe. earned it. The man has earned it. <laughs> he maybe does he that once a year. It. Yeah. Uh, but it does happen. But, Ori. I mean, Damiani's got Ori, and yeah. Brandon's got Animal Crossing. Yeah. Damiani's stealing his Nintendo stees, dude. Uh, well, hold on a second. Ori's not a Nintendo game. What do you mean? I'm just saying, full, full disclosure, all your, he steals all your, your Nintendo games. I think, I, think Ori, <laughs> I think Damiani might have snuck up on Ori. I think that might be true. But Brandon did have a diplomatic discussion with Blood yes, about Animal absolutely. Crossing in the thing. I just like burying all of our coworkers. Absolutely. Bury them as, yeah. as often and as much as you possibly can. No, of course not. Uh, the... Uh, the comments that are, like, the most funny to me are the ones where they're like, I think they secretly hate each other. I'm just like, no. Like, <laughs> <laughs> there is no... I mean, I'm sure there's some difference. I don't want to get here and say, like, there's no difference between being off-camera and on-camera. Like, I'm sure there is. But it ain't much. It ain't much. It ain't much. All right, Ori and the Will and the Wisps. Uh, tell me about it. Yeah, well, first of all, it's, it's a refreshing kind of thing because with the... Just the music, because I felt like when we got to the point of like starting to do like goatee considerations and stuff for music, it's like, like man, I don't, I don't feel passion for anything in 2019. Mm. Like I'm not like re- I wasn't mm. like really super invested in any music in 2019, 
And then I, like, started digging in. I was like, okay, I like this. I like that. You know, bang, but, bang, like, bang. you know, so, yeah, even even that. Like, even though that I like that song, but, like, mm. the rest of it wasn't really, like, it was good, but it wasn't, like, really speaking to me in that same kind of way. Sure. Whereas I was watching Damiani stream Ori when we had the, you know, the early access stream that we were able to do. Yeah. That, you know, I'm like... All right, I'm gonna like get my contacts on the line that I haven't mm-hmm. talked to since like last GDC. Like, yeah, is he still representing Gareth Coker? Yes, he is. Okay, cool. Can you send me that soundtrack? Mm. <laughs> uh, and so, and then playing it myself is, is I, I kind of recorded it because Darksiders Two, I only played because of that music. I would really? have never played that game except I I did a backtrack preview on that uh, soundtrack from Yes for Kid and really, really dug it. I'm like, I just want to like listen hear, listen to this stuff in the real world. And then I, I'm getting kind of that sense again with Ori where like I really genuinely like Ori for a lot of reasons. Right. But the music is just so good. I'm just like, I can be doing whatever right now. I'm mm-hmm. just be listening to this music in this pretty little world. Blood, I want to have a conversation with you. I don't know if it'll be on this podcast or another venue. Not necessarily, I mean, about the game too, of course, but right. just about the soundtrack of Doom Eternal. <laughs> Oh, I think sure. you will have some things to say. Uh, <laughs> but but, it, but that's the thing. So that was the funny thing is because like I had this moment. I was it last night or the night before, where I was like, "This is like already got to be like one of the top five, right?" You just mm. think that off the top right. of your head mm-hmm. without considering it. But then your brain goes like, "Oh, but Final Fantasy VII. Oh, but Doom. Oh, but The Man. Last of Us." Mm. Oh, but Ghost of Tsushima is probably going to be pretty good. So it's like, holy crap, this year is so much yeah, better already. 2020 is going to be nuts. I definitely saw some takes about the Final Fantasy VII remake uh, losing some of its charm with the music. And in, in, a, in a way, I, I sort of understand like the spirit what, of the What, the MIDI argument. aspect? Well, yeah, just, just how like that specific soundtrack added so much to the game and I'm sure mm-hmm. if people mm-hmm. feel this way you can elaborate in the comments uh, but I did not feel that way I thought that soundtrack yeah, of that right. demo that, was that thing amazing. that was amazing Me yeah. Too. yeah yeah and I I wonder if partly because that soundtrack has has reached a level you know that that few game mm-hmm. soundtracks get to get to be at I don't know I'll just say everything I've heard of that game I'm like, oh yeah, this is how it's supposed to sound yeah. with an orchestra. Right. Yeah, sure. this yeah. is it. Okay, cool. Yeah, I was very. Impressed. Yeah, I, I I can definitely imagine situations um, where I would be like, no, this sound should be electronic mm-hmm. at some point, you know? Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can't like off the top of my head think of. I mean, I just think of like, like what the, we played so far. The Genova. Right. I don't think they've released that. I'm curious what they'll do. And like some of the other songs, like Under the Rotting Pizza, the do 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 Yeah, I'm just like curious how they're gonna do all that stuff. Give me Cosmo Canyon. Probably. Oh, you might get this game. Just whenever you it's get Red around to theme, it. So maybe. Hmm. That makes sense. Sorry. Listeners. Yeah, that's gonna be a highlight. But uh, yeah, it is. But yeah, Ori. <laughs> Ori, baby. Ori, baby. Yeah, so it's it's been uh, pretty good to me so far. I, I don't think I've gotten super far into it. Uh, I'm at a, for, you guys probably don't know, but nope. for the viewers, I'm like, I'm in the windmill now, which is, is basically feels like the first dungeon, you know, to where like you yeah. go into a door and it's separated off from the, the rest, rest of the, the map. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things I like is it feels like the... Familiar abilities 
from the first game are kind of coming back pretty rapid fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's not taking me too long to get to uh, certain things like the like the double jump was pretty much right away and oh. the the dash and the bash and so there's just like there's a lot of freedom like in aerial movement you know and th- bash is still a weird word for me for bash move, but it's the one where you like lock on to a lantern or like mm-hmm. to a shot mm-hmm. and there's like elements of that that I forgot about like when you when something's spitting a projectile at you and or you, you can like you basically it, stick launch, to it and yeah. then you launch but then the projectile launches in the opposite direction mm-hmm. so you can use that to like smash doorways and stuff uh, and crumbling like stone what arches What a cool and idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um but I, I I feel like the the joy of movement was very obvious in uh, or in the blind forest as well. So, but I'm, I'm the way that people are talking about Will of the Wisp, and I'm trying to keep yeah. it arm's length with it because I don't, I don't want it to be ruined. Why, why do you think the sequel is generating so much praise when the original was already so good? Well, the, yeah, well, number one, the original was already so good. Uh, I think one of the things I'm starting to see where I'm at now is there is maybe a little bit more emphasis on characters, and so I actually just recently got to. A town, which I just I don't remember there being a whole lot of that. And no, it's there wasn't. Sort either. of like too. There's also like uh, I I feel like there's some some Hollow Knight inspiration coming in here as well mm-hmm. because there's a little map maker guy that you find along oh. the way. Um, there's also this whole system that kind of feels like the badges system, so that like you get these different um, I think they're called shards or something like that. But you get these different things to equip that augment. Different things. So, like, one of them will give you a little bit more life. One of them will make your bow split into, like, multiple arrows. Mm. While a different one will make your bow, like, shoot rapid fire arrows. And so so there's just, like, all of these different things. And then your slots, you increase over time just like you increase, like, your health and your energy. I think part of the reason the badges system is so good in Hollow Knight is because of how painstaking the decisions are with what you slot in. Like you're you're pretty limited with what you can use, and those badges give you such different things. Do you feel like it's a pretty interesting decision here, or like you get enough slots where you can kind of do everything? Uh, Not off the bat. You start off with two, and I've got three right now, and I think I've got six or seven different. And do you feel like put into them? all six or seven of those things are worthwhile? Uh, I think certain ones fit different play styles. Like there are ones that like will increase your attack but reduce your life. Mm. You know, and that's and, me. Yeah, so I yeah. think it's actually called reckless. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's stuff like that, and like ah, it's not necessarily my style. I'll stick with the one that like reduces damage. But you can combine those and then kind of even that out, right? So that's a thing that's possible. Um, <sighs> Uh, but the other thing to make decisions on is you can also level up most of these shards. So something that starts off with, okay, well, this reduces your damage by 10%. If you invest some currency into it, then it reduces damage by 15%. Now it reduces it by 20%. So they're like, not only which ones do you want to have equipped, but which ones do you actually invest in and make more potent over time. So there's a lot there to kind of think about. And then on top of that, the other thing is um, there's more essentially weapons mm. that you equip to different buttons. So uh, the first one you get is sort of like a sword type weapon. 
There's a big hammerish kind of move. There's the the bow that I said that can shoot things uh, from a distance. Uh, and then some, there's a, a lot that I haven't unlocked yet uh, because, again, like you're using those resources. Like, okay, do I spend these resources on skills, which are the weapons, or do I spend them on shards, or do I spend them on upgrading shards? Sure. Uh, but I saw one that's like a – there's like a shockwave kind of thing. Um, there was um, – there's a spear. There's one that has like a little sentry, like that thing that you had in uh, Mega Man Zero Two the other day. Oh, sure. The, so there's the little guy that floats around and shoots the oh. bee cyber elf. Yeah, that's yes. a fun s- sentence. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I think there's just a lot more to dig into and that kind of stuff in terms of sure. the combat playstyle and the enemies. I feel so far are more interesting because I felt like a lot of the enemies in the first game were just sort of amorphous blob type things uh and sort of plant things spitting at you and and now like they're not that out of the box they're like just beetles and animals and kind of little dog like Mm panthery things but still there's more they're more interesting there's more variety blood I, i feel like you're jiggling my pleasure centers here because really all i want out of any action game like, if you can do these things, I'm in and I will probably like your game a lot, is give me interesting abilities that make me, like, sweat what I'm choosing or feel compelled to explore. Uh, give me a variety of enemies, but also make those enemies use all of those different things. Like, make me use all of those yeah. those different options that I have. Oh, yeah, there's a badge so. that uh, increases your damage versus airborne enemies. So there's mosquitoes mm. early on that are really annoying. Like, Get rid of them right now. And then when you get to another area, there's nothing flying around. So just, okay, swap that badge out. Um, do you experience any of what Brad was talking about with Neo? Kind of a, a, a dissatisfaction of like the path you're taking? Where, where do you feel like the grass could be greener? Is there some of that anxiety going on? Not so much right now because I think the, the sword is definitely like your basic go-to thing. And the... You know, the hammer is like, okay, this is slow, but it's going to do a lot of damage. Mm -hmm. So, like, I'll use that when I kind of really need it. Um, But I think it's, you know, as I can afford more of those other abilities and I have all of those in my my tool set, you know, then it will probably be a little bit more of a decision. Like, I don't, you know, I I don't know what that spear is going to be like compared to the sword. So, like, do I want to go spear? But you, you can have three of those assigned at any time. So mm. they go up okay. on the face buttons. Mm. So you've got your jump, and then the top three face buttons you assign to whatever you want. Uh, something that was very nice, again, talking about those those sort of basic action game Metroidvania components, is I really loved the difficulty of Ori in the Blind Forest, where it felt like a consistent challenge, but I never reached the, oh, this is bullshit uh, moment with Ori. It was very well designed. It was a very yeah. well designed game. Are you getting that same sort of sense of difficulty from the sequel? Yeah, there's definitely quite a few times of dying and you know what you know watching out for traps and thorns and things mm-hmm. like that and then figuring out uh, because it can be really easy to think that like, oh, I can't make that jump, but you just have to sort of wiggle your way up a little bit to you know to get in the right position and like, okay, cool, I made the jump. I got the little bonus over there. I don't have to come back to that later. So uh, is there any sort of difficulty setting or you die enough times and it does the insulting thing of which No, like it doesn't do that. <laughs> the difficulty settings are right off the, the bat and you can't change them mid-game. Yeah. Uh, Damiani, I think, cut, actually cut that from the review because if, yeah, because uh, he just, I think he ended up seeing like, it, 
it, it doesn't really worth <laughs> necessarily saying. But yeah, there's three mm. difficulty options. Okay. And I think the normal is like just says the way the game is meant to be played. I see. Oh. <laughs> I actually kind of appreciate when developers do that. Where yeah, it's like yeah. this the is intended. kind of what we're we're going for. If you don't want to do that, that's fine. Yeah. But uh, Brad, hmm. I consider you hmm. also a, a, an aficionado of Metroidvania. Hmm. You and you enjoy your action games. I sure do. Uh, I kind of sort of hinted at the things that I'm looking for. If you had to name like one thing that you were Prioritize maybe above all else in the genre, what would that be? Oh, like a Metroidvania? Or or like a Souls or like a, um, a character action game or, you know, something where you're I like, think it's I a case-by-case case basis for a lot of them. Sure. A lot of it for me is level design. Mm. If I feel like what I'm exploring is worthwhile and I'm enjoying going off the beaten path and mm-hmm. enjoying going out of my way for things, that can definitely help. Uh, but sometimes, like, good combat can really, really carry me through a lot of sure. stuff. So, yeah, it just depends. Yeah, the one right. one frustration I have had a little bit of is it feels like um, the map is pretty dense in terms of like the little pockets and stuff that you can go through. And if mm. you look at the map, you can usually see sort of that fog. If you don't have the the map for the area yet, you can sort of see that fog. Like, okay, there's probably something over there. Mm. But actually, that just that menu pop up of like, okay, I want to look at the map right now. It just feels like it takes. Just slightly, too, slightly long. too long. I was like, mm. "Oh, this is just kind of slowing me down to look at the map." And are you are you playing an Xbox One X? Yeah. Okay. Um, so uh, I, obviously, I did the Hall of Grace presentation on Doom, mm. the original Doom, and uh, kind of playing Doom One and Two, and even thinking to something like Symphony of the Night or other, you could say other Castlevania games as well. I sometimes I think I think developers overdesign maps. Like, that wireframe map in Doom is all you need. Obviously, right. it's a much different time, mm-hmm. of course. But I do think I do think sometimes they miss the point where, especially with, like, Metroidvania games, you really where don't need that Where they feel like much. they have an obligation to pack it with so much stuff like that. Or, or just kind of, and I'm not saying Ori does this, you just made me think of this point. Right. But I, I don't. I want to look at a map and immediately understand what I'm looking at in the in the simplest way. And oh. I want to be able to translate what I'm looking at on the map and then like close the map and just like immediately see it. Like gotcha. I feel like there are times where you're looking at a map and you close the map and you have that sense of wait 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 that what was represented there is not directly helping me move forward. Oh, well, that's like what we're always talking about control. Yeah, like control. That. Yeah. Control right. was confusing. For sure. Definitely not as bad as Control. I just I think, think Xenoblade Chronicles Two is a bad map. Oh <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. I think maybe if there were like a mini map option, it's weird because Ori, it, like you're talking about the grid of Castlevania, but Ori's more blobby, yeah, more fluid. The way that more blobby, and I like that. Move around, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not always it's not as simple as just you know having a bunch of squares on a grid. Yeah, right. Sure. There's sure, curves, sure. Uh, but it does. It do, one thing that I kind of appreciate is uh, if you walk past like a like a cache of currency or item or something, and you you didn't even see it. Uh, if you look at your map, it'll be highlighted there, oh, so okay. you know you're like, oh, okay, there's a thing there. I can't get to it right now with my abilities that I currently have, but okay, when I get something new, then I can come back to this area and it will be easy to find. Hmm. Cool. I feel bad that I'm not playing Ori. Right. 
You got a lot to play. I do. You got you, you yeah. You you being focused on what you need to focus on right now is good. Speaking of things <laughs> that I'm trying to focus on, uh, so I, pretty much all of the games except for Neo Two, uh, I have been playing, um, and then obviously the funeral came and that interrupted some things. But I like these games immensely, and I haven't been able to put as much time as I would like to into them, but I still want to talk about them because I think they're pretty good. And one of those games is Grand Blue Fantasy Versus. Mm. Uh, I, the more I play this game, the more I like it. Nice. And I feel like Arc System Works has kind of... So to explain Grand Blue Fantasy Versus, because I think may not, not everyone may be familiar with it, is a fighting game based on a mobile gotcha property, which, listen, I understand. That might scare <laughs> you away, mm-hmm. but don't let it. Uh, I think I think the character design, I think the world of Grand Blue is very fun. I've actually played some of the mobile game, not very much, but some of the mobile game, and I, I certainly think there's a charm there. And I think Grand Blue Fantasy Versus captures that charm. So it's made by Arc System Works. Uh, they make killer-looking fighting games, and this game looks killer. Like it is just fun. You guys did yeah. without me. Thanks very much, by the way. Uh, you guys did a Grand Blue Fantasy Versus stream, and you showed off the supers it was, and stuff. Yeah, Super Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fine, that's fine. <laughs> uh, and I think you can get a sense of that there. But going back to the original point, I think our system works with the Persona 4 Arena games uh, and Dragon Ball Fighters and just different things. They've, they've tried to figure out a way to make a fighting game both approachable so anyone can pick it up and have a good time, but also add complexity in a way where if you know what you're doing with fighting games or even if you're pretending to know what you're doing with fighting games, you'll have a good time. Mm-hmm. And I think they've they've done that with Grand Blue Fantasy Versus in a really fascinating way. Uh, so there are auto combos in the game, but it doesn't feel like... <laughs> I don't know how to say this. It doesn't really feel like you're missing out. Like, the characters have individual mechanics. They mm. almost have, like, a blaze blue drive button where if you hit this button they do a cool thing and so there are all these unique mechanics where it's like yeah there are auto combos like yes you can just mash heavy or light or you know medium attack and you will get a combo but there are all these other things going on some of which are very specific to the character and then you have other things like spot dodges where every character can do this right but Getting good at spot dodging at the right time or figuring out what you should spot dodge or what you should dash with Mm -hmm. is pretty hard, right? And so they kind of reach this point where it's not that the things are hard to do. It's about learning how to use them well. Uh, And I talked about this the last time. I talked about Grand Blue Fantasy Versus. But I do think all of this is worth reiterating. Because time and time again, you hear people who are like, I can't get into fighting games, I can't get into fighting games, I can't get into fighting games. I think Grand Blue Fantasy Versus is a very good starting point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, if you are that person who is sitting there, you know, eating the dinner that you just bought and listening to this wonderful program and you want to get into fighting games, I really do think, like, this is one. There are many options, but I think this is one mm-hmm. that is really worth going for. Um, and can I just say that, yeah. like, Unlike a lot of like licensed franchise-based fighting games, yeah, this universe, or maybe even it's just because of what they've done with this game, it's so ridiculous that you just can't help but have fun. 
do you like these characters are just yes. so outlandish like you, you don't need to know who they are you don't need to know their story right. it's just ridiculous to look at them and what they can do right and you know i don't i don't want to go too far here uh but i think back in the day that was how a lot of fighting games got their appeal or at least i felt that way as right. a kid going into arcade like i wanted to play street fighter because they look so fucking cool. Like, Blanca mm-hmm. just looked like a rad dude. King like, of Fighters, baby. Bounce around the street. Yeah, right. King of Fighters, right? Terry Bogart yeah. is a great example. Um, or, you know, Mortal Kombat, of course. Oh, and yeah, the, of course. Right. You see you see Kano. Mm-hmm. Kano I don't know why I picked Kano. Kano. <laughs> Kano, <laughs> wow, he's got a laser wow. eye. <laughs> Kano is a weird pick yeah. there. Anyway, uh, but Blood, I think your point totally stands. So, like, some of those supers <clears throat> you were talking about. There's one where you throw them in the wrestling mat, and you are... Yeah. The, there's a referee counting down, and if you get to three, they're, they're done for. Um, and so I think that stuff is naturally exciting. But I also think the way in which they compromise things that are, that are difficult for some people... Like, I know people are going to laugh at this, but I do think, for some people, doing a Dragon Punch is hard, right? Yeah, so absolutely. kind of condensing the special move format... And making it be like, if you just push this button in a direction, you will do a special move. I like that, but I like even more that there's a consequence for doing so. Yeah. It's like, yes, you can do this, but things are going to go on cooldown. I think it's like a good in-between. Where Me it's too. Like, right. You have this option, but if you build up to the other thing, you get You'll be rewarded, reward. yeah. So I feel like there's, there's a clear path there. Um, another thing that I like, and I think, I, I don't know... How many people have checked out the mobile game? Because it has not been a, a officially released over here. Oh, interesting. Uh, but the RPG mode is, is pretty interesting. There are some things that I, I wish it was better at, but I kind of like the spirit of what they're going for. So you have characters and you level up, and I, it's kind of cute how much they present it like the mobile game. Uh, a lot of things, like just the way that the map looks how you choose quests, the conversations before and after the quests uh, are really neat. And But there's also, so like a gacha game, right? You are doing draws, and in Grand Blue Fantasy, you're getting characters and you're getting weapons. They have draws here, but as you do objectives, you're getting premium tickets that you can use to get new weapons. Mm. And then if you get a bunch of the same weapon, you can fuse those things together. So it's just... It's a it's a nice nod to the mobile game, mm-hmm. but that aside, it works as an actual like, hey, if you like RPGs, this might be a good way for you to get into this fighting game genre and have this stuff like that sense of progression. Yeah. is nice. Um, and constantly moving I feel like forward. Soul Calibur's nice. had a lot of that too. Yeah, Soul Calibur has definitely had different um, adventure modes mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, and I I I totally think that is a good uh, comparison to make. But um, something that I don't like. Uh, at least in the beginning, is you have a lot of these kind of trash fights where the entire quest is just defeat these soldiers. And it doesn't, it feels like a beat em up more than a fighting game. And I think that would be fine. But. Well, we t- totally misread. We thought it was going to be a beat em up. And it's like, it's oh, what's that. going on in this? This mm-hmm. is taking a long time to get to the fights and then they're over. Right. And so you. You kind of get dumped in there, and you're controlling like a fighting game character, but you're against these enemies, at least so far, who aren't really doing anything, but they're also not helping you really get better at the game. Right. Um, I think what is more interesting is you do have these these boss fights, these raid fights, 
where what you're fighting against has these different states and is actually another character in a game that has mechanics. And so at least you feel like you're kind of simulating the environment of an actual fight, which is nice. Um, but they'll have like overdrive modes where they're more powerful or they'll do these giant attacks or they'll have moments where they're more vulnerable. So it feels like a nice concession between an RPG battle, a Grand Blue Fantasy battle, and the actual fighting game that is kind of underpinning this thing. Whereas like the trash mob stuff just kind of feels like a waste of time and it's not sure, that yeah. fun. I think if it was more fun and I think it'd be more fun by having there be more going on, uh, I'd be more th- worthwhile. So I don't, I don't, it's a good start. It's a good idea, uh, but it's not, it's not quite there yet. Uh, but I really want to play a lot more of it. Um, they've, they've added some DLC characters. Uh, Beelzebub. Yeah, the Dio. Oh, yeah. And uh, Dio, yeah, yeah, it's a good comparison. And uh, Narmaya, mm-hmm. who is the really cool. girl. Yep, 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 yep. Um, yeah, Brad, you started a little bit yeah, of Grand Blue Just Fantasy. messed around here and there. Seems fun. Seems fun. Yeah, I like it. I know, I feel like you you actually pick up some fighting game stuff pretty quickly. Um, and I, think I used to play the... fighting games a lot when really? I was younger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I used to play, like, I mean, I played Street Fighter 2 a lot. I played a lot of the King of Fighter games. I played, like, MVC 2 a lot back in the day. Like, up to, Who's like... Who's your team in MVC 2? <sighs> My team... I always had X. I feel like I had Jill, and I would usually random that one. Like I think I had Ryu a lot. Mm. I love Ryu. Brad, I'm gonna do something that's a little comic book guy. Sure. It's not X. Oh, is it just Mega Man in that? Oh, you're right. That's X later on. (laughs) Uh, That's in uh, three, right? Or is it the old, the infinite one? I didn't even play that one. Infinite is X. Okay. Yes. Three, Three is, is zero. zero. Yes. That's right. Okay. That's right. Yes. I forgot. It's no, normal it, Mega Man. I mean, it's it's an easy mistake Close to make. Close enough. Sure. Yeah, Whatever. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, I haven't played in, like, forever, but I used to play that a lot with, like, my friends yeah. growing up. But, like, I've talked to you about this before. I like playing fighting games a lot more when I'm playing with actual people. Yeah. And it's just harder to do that as I've gotten older, so I don't play as many fighting games anymore. Yeah. I, I actually think uh, Wednesday Night Fights does a really good job of kind of simulating the experience because I feel like I've, I've read from people that have gone there where they're like, hey, I win and I'm trash at fighting games, but it was nice like having somebody, somebody come up mm-hmm. and they, like, when you're learning the genre, there are things that you can't even see. So yeah, it's of like course. you want to improve, but you don't even know how to do that. Like, you don't even know the building blocks. Yeah. So when you're actually with somebody and they can be They're like, teaching you, this is yeah. what this means. This is what, yeah. how you're going to want to respond helps, to that for sure. situation. I think that's cool. And I wish there were more opportunities like that for more people. Um, for sure. Our next game, Brad, speaking of challenging stuff, I have heard, I haven't gotten a chance to play it myself, but I've heard nothing but like, I don't know if I would say horror stories, but like in the trenches for the Kingdom Hearts 3 Remind DLC. Oh, yeah, yeah sure. Uh, yeah, is it a boss fight? It takes like an hour or something uh, like no, that? No, I mean, not an hour. There's... So, the DLC is very strange. It is not what I expected, I will say that. And I think I, under- I understand where a lot of the frustration is coming from for this for two reasons. The story element to it is not very satisfying. Mm. Or it feels like a little too short. And it's very expensive, I feel like, for what it is. Mm-hmm. I feel like people paid $30 for this thing and they feel kind of burned by it. Because yeah. essentially it is, it's like, 
you replay events kind of from the end of the game, but there's a story reason why, and that's like, in like two hours maybe, maybe yeah. like that. Like the fights are, it's cool, but you've done a lot of these fights before. Mm. Then once you beat that, it's pretty much a boss rush mode to get to the final boss, and then you get like, you get some more story stuff. But it's like these bosses are not a joke. Yeah, like these are hard bosses, man. So I feel like a lot of people are just like. I'm out. I don't really want to deal with this because like you have to fight, I think thirteen or fourteen bosses or something. Wow, like a lot of people. Yeah, it's been kind of fascinating to see the response from this, having not been able to test it myself. Because I feel like people are so sharply divided. Where you have the people that don't really—they're not in it for the mechanics, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like they're kind of walking away disappointed, but then you get the people who, who love, love and yeah. live for King of yeah. Combat, and they're like, thank you, I've been waiting for this. Yeah, if you were disappointed with Combat 3, you'd probably be a little happier this sure. time around, but I feel like if you're a more, like, just person who wants to go for the story, you love seeing the worlds, Yeah, it, like, hang out Disney characters, like, you're going to be out of luck. Where do you fall? Uh, somewhere in the middle. Okay. There's aspects I like of both, and aspects I think are kind of annoying, like, the story, I, I expected more from it. Hmm. Like, the Final Fantasy characters are barely in it. Like, they're back <laughs> and they're barely in it, dude. You're just like, what? It's like, this is cool. It's like the teasiest of teas of right. what could come. Well, it's and just the like problem a little, is, is they'll, they'll but, show that, right? That's yeah. what they'll get people to... Yeah, they show it in the trailer. And show it's it like, off in the trailer. Barely like, in there it. it is. Like, then, oh, man. Oh, like, the trailer was almost it. Yeah. <laughs> like, Brad, the fights are really cool. Like I really like the fights. Like fighting the like the bosses are really fun and they're super like different. They have their own different unique mechanics and strategies. They're hard if you really like that challenge. But it is like a little unfulfilling of what it could have been. Sure. I think that is a, a very level headed response yeah. to it. Uh have you have you gotten through all the fights? So I'm at I'm at the very final, like, the final fight. It's Yozora, mm -hmm. who is, like, the, the fake Noctis or whatever. They just, like, Namor was just pissed at Square Enix, so he made his own Final Fantasy 15 characters. Mm -hmm. And one of them is, like, the final character. It's a super sick fight. It's just really hard, and I just haven't put in the time to do it. Is it hard in the sense that, like, the effort is no longer fun? It's just, like, yo... You can't screw up. Mm. You gotta be on point the whole time. It could be over in an instant if you're not right. careful. Right. Uh, boy, it's it's funny because I do love those types of games, and I you know Sekiro was my mm -hmm. game of the year last year. Um, but I I feel like even as somebody who loves those games and and puts them at the top of his list, I feel like when you get like enough of that where it's like oh man all of these games kind of have that like don't make a mistake yeah feeling. you get a little exhausted. well here's the problem with that is like i love that stuff but i really love the in-between moments of that also when sure. you do like 13 or like whatever how many bosses yeah. fights that's a great in a point. row that's a great it can point. become like a little tiresome like you run out of steam like Dude. if it was you know sprinkled out a little more well, would really help what was that again <laughs> sprinkled out a little more would really help uh, Brad, do you think Square Enix is weaponizing our love of Final Fantasy VII against us? Uh, yes and no. Because they're doing the right thing with the remake so far. Sure. But then they're just teasing me forever in Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. I And, you know, I think it is important to look deep into your soul and mm -hmm. answer yourself, like, 
you know, if they put these characters in this stuff, like, you probably got me. Yeah. And of course I am excluding mobile trash. Yeah. But but for a lot of other things, but it's, like it's true. The, the what they could do with that series and like what the potential of what characters could be in there mm-hmm. it's like they put like the world ends with you characters and they're just like what yeah. that's so rad but i can't believe they're in here like i gotta do this right like can you imagine if they just get nuts one time ben just crazy and they're like yo chrono's in this yeah frogs oh, yeah. in this you're just yeah, like yeah. what yeah yeah i mean we we would have a yeah we would go we'd get easy eyes together we'd go to the dave and busters yeah. Or it's like even like, five. E- like they could get like if you're a fan of a, a particular Final Fantasy thing, even just like a small amount, you don't care about other games. Like they put the one character in from one of these numerous games in that you love. Yeah, you're screwed. It's yeah, like you're screwed. they could put like Ramza in from Tactics, it's and like, someone's gonna lose their mind. It's like they are indirectly opening your wallet. Yeah, like, they know. <laughs> it's like a ghost wallet. And you're well, like, it makes it. It's like them and Disney are like collaborating on yeah. this project. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think know. That's- Kind of, and I don't know how well exactly because I didn't follow the trailer super closely, but I feel like that's sort of the problem with, you know, putting something like this out there because I think what at first it was really cryptic, anyways, what it was going to be, right? Nobody knew what it was going to be. I was confused. And they had. I'm sure they had some kind of expansion but, like, pass or something, right? No, I don't think okay, they did. You oh, saying no. it, it's cryptic is par for the course. Yeah, right. like, it's always oh, cryptic. It's cryptic. But I'm I just don't saying, think there like, was. You know, the pre-orders or something, maybe... No, I don't no? think there was ever an expansion pass or anything. Okay, I mean, m- then maybe maybe not. Yeah. But to me, it, it feels like you could get burned just by not knowing what this is. Because yeah, right. Because totally. yeah. you see, exactly. oh, Kingdom Hearts DLC, it's just going to be like more of Kingdom Hearts, mm-hmm. but it's not. It's like this almost just, like a challenge mode with I a story attached I think the price tag just really hurts it. Yeah, yeah. It just, absolutely. It, that's a lot of money, I think, for what it is. Yeah. I think that's a that's a and for point. like the crowd it's gonna please like the combat crowd I I would say or like the boss fight crowd that's so much of a smaller part yeah of the mass majority. Well, I think what is most disappointing listening to your impressions um, is with Kingdom Hearts three the sort of the way I rationalized some of the decisions that they made with mm-hmm. that game is I was like okay we got we got a lot to get through yeah right and so but with the DLC and then especially seeing the Final Fantasy characters in the trailer. Mm-hmm. To hear that they're they're almost non-existent in it, yeah, is they're, a little bit of a head scratcher. They're, to they're me. not that much in it. There's some cool parts because like they add a little, like you get to explore a little more of areas from the game that mm. I wanted to see more of. Mm. But it's just like more, just a little more. Sure. For how much this is, I need a little more. I think that is very fair. So hopefully, whatever they do in the future, they will learn from. I still want to play it. Yeah. But I, I like, I, I feel like you're putting me in the right headspace going in. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I, th- I, th- I think that's the most important thing. Yeah. To know what you're getting into yeah. when yeah. you do it. Yeah. Yeah. So, hey, if you listen to this podcast, we'll let you know. Yeah. On like 5% of the games that come out. <laughs> uh, but speaking of games, and Blood, I'm so happy that you, you brought this. We have to talk about your sniff. You played through <laughs> all of Hell yeah. Mega Man Legends yeah. and. Uh, you started Mega Man Legends 2. We're focusing on Mega Man Legends 1. Here, yeah, but, for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this was such like an enlightening thing because it just it just felt like a Kyle game through and through. Yeah, it was like this everything that Kyle appreciates about video games yeah. is coming out of this game. Expand right on now. that. There is a moment when somebody asks you your name and you have an option to say Mega Man or Hippopotamus. Okay. <laughs> 
Now, I'm like, I know Kyle's going to pick Hippopotamus. All right, Kyle, did you pick Hippopotamus? <laughs> uh, but also, the, the sense of this world being alive, right? Yeah. A, a living world. the strong part of the game. This thing coming out between, like, Mario 64 and... and Ocarina, like, of time. Ocarina of Time. Right in the pocket. Right in between that pocket. Yeah. And to be doing this on a... PlayStation controller before analog sticks. Yeah, you know, like the controls are definitely like okay, this is a hard thing to yeah, go back to. The, uh, but they, yeah, they did it. Room. You know, you have a 3D explorable world, mm -hmm. and the only time I really didn't like the controls was like in the final boss because mm -hmm. he was like jumping and teleporting. I'm like, I'm just need to see where you are to mm -hmm. avoid your attack. I feel like being immensely frustrated at a Mega Man final boss <laughs> is far for the course. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but I mean, I'm not saying it's right, but expected. Right. Right, right, right. Uh, but the stuff with the town, the first thing you get into, the first little zone, because there's like five or six zones mm -hmm. to the town. Uh, and that and music then, is so good. And then areas on the outside. Uh, the first you get into is this market. And not only are these, you know, you see have all these shops, but it's like, oh, a lot of these I can actually go into. And then there's people inside. And then the record mm -hmm. store has all these music samples that are just here. Here's the jazz song, and here's the heavy metal song, and here's the, like, mm -hmm. Baroque song. Like, they're not stuff that that's been repurposed from other yeah. parts of the game. Yeah. Like, yeah. they're just here to make the record store cooler, you know? And, and uh, the other thing that's crazy is you get into these battles with the pirates in town, and... The Bond family. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Their shots will damage buildings and eventually like buildings will just like crumble and and now you've got like this empty lot but then later on after you've finished all that then people start moving back in and the mayor's like if you give us money we'll rebuild these buildings and then you see over time the buildings get rebuilt hmm. and along with that all of these different tiny little steps of the story the NPCs in the world like their dialogue will change and not only will their dialogue change, but, like, they'll move around. Like, these kids that start off in the marketplace, they'll be somewhere else later. Or there's, like, a way later in the game, they're, like, out in the woods. And they're, they like, take in this abandoned house and they're turning it into, like, their clubhouse. And like you can bring them stuff to, like, help them, you know, make their clubhouse cooler. And this is, like, all of this stuff where so many other games... Uh, You'll just have an NPC that will like stand in the same spot, no matter what happens, and maybe once or twice their dialogue will change. Mm. Uh, whereas these guys just just moving around, yeah. responding to what's happening uh, in the storyline. I love. I, I feel like you have morphed into Kyle in this game. <laughs> like his passion has has been taken. Like he's <laughs> he's given you some sort of gift, yeah. right? Like like. I think somebody I think somebody posted this online where uh, talking about Kyle and the Mega Man Legends presentation where like he's all might and he's oh, giving yeah, you all for one. Yeah. <laughs> you, you have yeah. you have the Mega Man Legends. Passion. And the dungeons are interestingly all connected yeah. eventually. Um, and it's it's cool where you get like a power up like being able to jump higher. Mm. And like, oh, all of a sudden I can get up to that place I couldn't get to before, and if I go down that hallway, then I'm mm -hmm. I'm in this other place from the other side of the map. Uh, and I also really appreciate that, like the characters, like the the rivalry between you and the Bonds 
isn't exactly like hero and villain. Mm-hmm. Like you both sort of appreciate each other right. in different ways, and you know, and uh, like when you defeat them, like Mega Man feels kind of bad about it. You know? Yeah. Well, there's there's a pretty remarkable, and I, I you know I would say Pokemon has this as well. Mm-hmm. Speaking of, of traits that I think Kyle likes, um, there's an, a remarkable earnestness to that game. Yeah. That it like. It is so infectiously endearing. Yeah. Like it's it's just dripping with charm. And uh man, Blood, I've got too many things to play, but you uh, it was a game I like I adored as a super young kid and I never finished it. It's not yeah. even that oh, long. Oh, big big set yeah, piece moments I gotta, too. I got to mm-hmm. I got to I got to it cuz it's on um PS PSN. Yeah, I think it's It's I, on I PS3, I, PSN. Yeah, you I can think download I, I think the I PlayStation have it. 1. And I got to do that. And mm-hmm. I ROM I've, or I whatever it's two, called. Yeah. Uh but didn't didn't finish two either, so I, I have to make that a priority. Yeah. I got through it in like 16ish hours for first time or yeah. that was going back to dungeons every time I got something that would let me go back. The way you talk about it though, and the way Kyle talk about it, I do feel like I kind of want to do everything. I don't, I don't know right. how worth it that is, but cool upgrades. It seems, yeah, it seems like just the way that you interact with the town, there'd be a lot of value in doing mm-hmm. that. So, oh, and like roll, roll like hanging out in the back of that truck and just like going right. in there. Yeah, the data's dancing around. <laughs> yeah, the monkey. It's so cool. Yeah. 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 Is there like a data plushy and or? There's got to be. Probably. All right. We got to get on that. <laughs> like, I think that's worth Import. spending company money on. Import. Uh, Blood, I'm sorry to sidetrack you. No, that's um, fine. Would you agree that that Mega Man walking around in that game and the sound it makes when you're moving around is just like strangely satisfying? You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. I had a... Yeah, it had a little no, bit of time with here. the. No, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I had a little. It wasn't until I did like some of the mini games that I actually like really, like, was a hundred percent sure that the the jet boots were actually faster. Oh sure. Oh yeah, love I the jet boots. I feel like I don't remember the mini games at all. I mean, I remember of course kicking the can. Yeah, yeah, they were like in but... the the TV station. Okay. They were always, like posed as as game shows. Oh. So there's one where you like try to pop all the balloons in a time limit. There's some but the one with the jet boots was like you're like racing through the streets. And so like you're trying to go around cones like a Gran Turismo game in a way. Okay, Man. that one sounds kind of familiar. Yeah. I don't know. That game's so Fighting wild. Fighting with memory here. Like it is a wild. Mega Man game like that? I wonder if they just made a, a Mega Man game to sell more or something. Like I don't know if it needs to be a Mega Man game. Well, I mean, that's kind of something that is that is beautiful about Mega Man is how much it's transformed. I mean, even that's within, true. Even within the same series, like the X series, transformed pretty wildly. Yeah. From yeah, I guess it went from like you know the NES ones to X and stuff. Then, yeah. Then that. And I gotta. I really haven't done much with the Battle Network series at all. That's one I gotta do. Yeah, I haven't played Star it. Force. There's a lot of Mega Man out yeah, there. Yes, a lot of Mega Man. There's a lot of Mega Man out there. Well, they kind of stopped making them, so you can catch up. But yeah, a couple Make of a battle network collection. A couple of funny quotes. There's a sign on a door that says, "We're rich, but we've evacuated and taken all our money. So don't bother trying to break in while we're gone." Nice. <laughs> Some good 90s humor. I do I feel like Kyle wrote that and somehow inserted it into every copy of the game. Right. I feel like it shaped Kyle. Yeah. Right. Strangely. Like and- some Kyle you know, we wonder how he does all this stuff. It's Mega Man. We found the source, it's Mega Man, right? Yeah. So and it's then, gonna be like a Horcrux. Yeah. 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 And then I mentioned this. <laughs> I mentioned this earlier, but Snap the disc. when you <laughs> when you start Legends Two, uh, 
it has the most funniest like way of justifying why you don't have any of your power ups. And like oh Roll is talking to you, he's like, I I wanted to make some upgrades to the ship, so sorry, Mega Man, I sold all your weapons. Yep. <laughs> and you can't be mad at that role. Right. No. Just pretty cool. I, I don't know if you saw in Street Fighter Five they added a bunch of Mega Man costumes. Oh. So like Rashid is Airman. Uh, yeah, that's sick. Which is sick, but Sakura has this amazing role from Mega Man Legends oh, costume. Wow. Oh, that it's I from would, Legends? Yeah, boy. Wow, dude, <laughs> it still lives, baby. Yeah. It still it's lives. Uh, I would love to show that to you sometime. Blood, you said the forbidden word this time. Uh-oh. The demons are having a slightly difficult time remembering the exact phrasing because they didn't write it down. But I believe when you were talking about the Ori and the Will of the Wisp map, you you described it as blobby. Right. And uh, demons actually weak to blobby substances. Uh-oh. Uh, blobby substances can that's, have... That, dem- that's why slime is in right now. Mm-hmm. Right. They, they can have demonic or angelic energy, but, you know, that angelic blobby energy does a lot. What the hell is this show? <laughs> uh, the best show. <laughs> Our flagship. (laughs) (laughs) Got to write down the timestamp because I forgot my iPad. Everything's falling apart. Kyle, come back. Uh, (laughs) He's still here. He's still here, here, dude. (laughs) dude. (laughs) That's a good point. Um, Today, in honor of Kyle Bossman, I have a very special real fake. Oh, boy. Kyle Bossman. Don't you say Pokemon to me. No, 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 okay. not Pokemon. Kyle Bossmanisms. So these are just different things that Kyle has done. Uh, I believe these are all on the podcast. Oh, yes. okay. They should all be on the podcast. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, let me know if they are real or fake. Are these things that Kyle <laughs> Bossman has actually done? Okay. All right. Or wars. Real. Oh, yeah. Real. Corporate shakeups. Yeah. Real. Real. Word of the day. No. No. Yes. Is that? Yes, he has. Oh. I'm Final so- answer. No. Bloodworth pulls ahead. Oh. Word of the day. I'm thinking of a number between. I don't know. think so. Yeah, no. Both are on. Wow. Uh, when is it? When does this happen? Pop-Tarts and Toaster Real. Oh, yeah, yeah. Come on. Uh, I, I leaned, actually, on the official Easy Allies wiki for a lot of these. Oh, okay. They're all real. It just goes to show that Kyle Bossman has oh. done a bunch of silly things. What number am I thinking of? Is it, yeah. That was really one yeah. thing. <laughs> you, you got to guess a number, and I believe he did something with the Prove It ticket. Okay. It was closest. Oh. I didn't remember that one either. So Whoa. who knows? Maybe maybe the wiki is wrong. I believe it's right. I wanted them all to be real just to sure, show yeah. off cool. all the different fun things that, that Kyle has done. Over his time with the Easy Allies podcast. But I was actually expecting both to tie. But, Bloodworth, you pulled ahead. Mm. Uh, so you will be breaking us out of this demonic realm. But before we get to that, we have some wonderful shout-outs that we would like to do. And what I've thought of for this particular shout-out, what we're going to do is I'm going to point to you, and you're going to say shout-out. Just you, not the other person, not me. And you have to do a specific pose, but you cannot repeat the pose. Okay. Got it. All right. El Thanis. Shout out. Greg the Dark Knight Kettering. Shout out. Caleb Toby Crawford. Shout out. Will Schmuck. Shout out. Mr. One Luigi. 
That went better than I was expecting. Good job. Uh, thank you so much to our shout-out to your patrons. That's a $250 tier on Patreon, and there are open slots. So if you want to get in, you want to see the allies do something goofy, if you want us to sing to you, I don't know what it's going to be. Dude, I'll pose. Yeah. <laughs> I'll do more poses, whatever. I don't know what it's going to be in the last minute, but if you would like us to give you a special shout-out, there are slots for April. Go get them. But now we're going to talk about another game. We're going to talk about a game... That, again, uh, I actually got to play a lot of this on the plane. Nice. Um, and I my E3 impressions of it were cut short. But I will, oh, not, be, yes. I will not be cut short now. I, I love, I really do love Rune Factory 4 Special. Um, and I actually didn't realize that it came out on the 3DS in 2012. Mm. So this is a pretty old yeah. game. Eight years old? Yeah. Damn, um, it's like Fantasy Star. Yeah, I think... I think this is going to be blasphemy to some people, but I think I like it more than uh, Stardew Valley. Shut your mouth. Yeah. I, and I like Stardew Valley. I didn't play a ton of Stardew Valley, but this is really grabbing me. And so essentially what it is, is it is a Harvest Moon game where there is sort of dungeon action RPG elements. And you play as this character who ends up getting amnesia because, of course, uh, and it's also like one Sick. of the most... Anime games ever? Yeah, it sounds like it. You're gonna you're gonna know. I think looking at this game, what you're you in can, for? Yeah, if you can handle it or not. But if you think there's even a slight chance, um, I do wonder if the aesthetic is turning off some people that would maybe otherwise enjoy it. I actually really like the aesthetic, um, but I think it's a game that it it surprised me, and I'm a weeb, uh, but it has really <laughs> captivated me because. Sort of talking about that that earnestness of Mega Man Legends, I, yeah. that's something I remember as a kid enjoying so much, is I just liked being in that world. I think the same is true for Rune Factory. Like, there's kind of this constant jokiness going on. Like, you run into people, and they're just kind of bumbling buffoons. Like, there's this person that's always falling asleep. But they know it, and you know it, and everybody just kind of makes jokes about it, and everyone's having a good time. Hmm. And so you just enjoy being in this town, and you could do these super fun special events like this bean toss event where, <laughs> no joke, they, they like line up like a firing squad, and they're throwing these beans at you. Oh and God. different colors of beans have different point values, and you actually want them to hit you. So you're letting them abuse you with beans, and you're having a blast, but if they throw, and I quote, a failed dish at you, you lose points. Okay. So these different beans of different colors have different points, but you don't want to get hit by this unholy bom abomination that somebody's made, and then they just go, great, we've, we've exercised the demons. <laughs> I think it's speaking to, and there, there are going to be some people that can help me out with this, I, they, they kind of talk about it like... It is an actual tradition in Japan, mm, or was at some sense. point. Oh, okay. Uh, so that might be the case there. I don't actually know. Weeb card revoked. But um, <laughs> all that stuff is really fun, and it's it's super satisfying that it kind of walks this perfect middle ground of feeling relaxing, like you would want a Harvest Moon or Animal Crossing game to feel, but not feeling so relaxing that you kind of just get bored from the aimlessness. Yeah. Where, like... You want to pay attention to time because shops are open at a specific time and uh, 
like people will be around at different times. And so there are things worth paying attention to. There are things worth scheduling. But you can kind of do whatever you want. So like right now, a good example is I can go off to this dungeon and explore and use my Claymore and Wrexham Fools, but I'm not quite at the recommended level. Mm. So I'm taking it slow and I'm like, well, I'm going to build up my economy. I'm just going to go hard on preparing my field and planting enough seeds. But there's different steps to that. So a system that I really like is this RP system where everything you do, you kind of drain RP. So if you're like, well, I have this you know, tree stump that I need to break down, I'm going to mash into it to break it down to clear up my field to get some lumber that I can put in my lumber box so I can build more stuff. But if I do that, I drain RP. And you can take a risk. Once you lose RP, you start draining health. And so managing mm. those resources is really interesting. But you can go to the bathhouse, talk to some sweet characters <laughs> there, and they're pretty jolly. And they're like, you know what? We'll give you just a few free baths, and you can recover your <laughs> RP. And you get skills for everything. Like, you get skills for going to the bath. Um, you get skills for, like, sleeping at the right time, for watering your plants. And so you get that constant dopamine of skill yeah, up, skill always up, getting skill something. up. Things are getting better, but you also have a little bit of resource management. You also have a little bit of a time constraint, but none of these things are so crippling that you feel anxiety. Like you kind of just get to a point where you're like, I'm going to do this and you get excited about it and you feel like there's enough pushback that it kind of makes it worth doing. So I actually think it's like a, a really well-designed game. It certainly looks like a 3DS game. Uh, it's not like just graphically, you know, in terms of, of raw power, you know, it's not going to blow you away. But uh, I think it is I think it is immensely charming. And I think if you are like a diehard Animal Crossing fan or you like Harvest Moon, I really don't have a lot of experience in the Harvest Moon series, but or Stardew Valley or any of those things, like I think this is something that a lot of people are sleeping on. And if there's just a little bit more awareness of it, mm. I think people would fall in love with it. The beginning is super slow. I think too slow. I think it takes just a little too long for things to get going but uh very charming nice very very charming sweet blood you in particular man yeah i think you would dig it you are a rational man <laughs> you would whip that farm into shape you would get all the princess points which are a thing the princess not, points. you know i'm not gonna explain that any further but yeah i do i think you would i think you get all the princess points yeah get your weed card back for that i for the princess points yeah you're handing it back yeah I'll take it. Princess points. Uh, but speaking of... And the bathhouse helped. The bathhouse helped? Yeah, absolutely. Hey. Probably lewd. I was, I was trying to think of something to say there, and I, I, got <laughs> I like it. So I did, I did like an A. Is that like a... Does anybody say A anymore? Is that just, just like fonds. 80s? Yeah, yeah, not even that. Not even 80s. Yeah, it's just the fonts. Are we boomers? Okay. Yeah. I'm no. like I'm okay with accepting yeah. it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely we are, dude. Yeah. Are we like boomer weebs? Maybe you. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Uh Blood, you've been playing a super chill game. Yeah. Or you said it was super chill. I don't know anything about it, called uh Lonely Mountains Downhill. Yeah, which is an awkward title. Like every time it's saying like, is it right? Downhill. Is that the right <laughs> sequence of words? Um yeah, actually, um, it's been one of those things that's been on my backlog for a little while. I've actually been sort of like saving it for a frame trap. I'm like, I want to play that when I can talk about it. So I'll just put it there for now. Saving some stuff for me. I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I checked this out a little bit last E3 and then uh, got the code later. 
But it's basically, it's a mountain biking game. And so downhill is basically what it is. So you, you like start at the top of a mountain and then you like follow a trail down to the bottom and there's checkpoints and stuff. But the way the progression of it is, is really interesting because when you first start on a level, uh, you're in what's called the explore difficulty. And so there's no time limits. There's no requirements. There's nothing there. Just like get to the bottom. And so with that, it, all of this is like really momentum and physics based. Mm-hmm. And so you're trying to figure out like where all the extra little paths and stuff are. Because there is like a main trail, but there are all of these different places where you can like jump off a spot or you find like another little hidden path behind a rock or something like that. And a lot of the times you just kind of have to experiment and like see what will work. And it's like, if that shortcut doesn't kill you, you can take it. (laughs) And, uh, and, and the routes are broken up into like different sections. So Mm -hmm. like you get to the section and then, okay, checkpoint. And then like, that's where you'll start, you know, and then you get down to the next like little finish line kind of thing. And until you get all the way to the final one. Uh, but it's been pretty cool because, you know, like today's been a stressful day. You know, and yeah, it has, uh, and it's just like there's not like really a lot of music going on. There are points where you'll find uh, I found like a couple of like hidden paths to get to like basically spots where you, just, you take a break, mm. and so your Neat. little character gets off the bike and sits on a log or something, and you just listen to the birds and whenever you want to. That's Huber Bait. Stop doing that, then you get back on your bike and go back down the hill. You know what's really sad, blood. Is like that sounds awesome and so relaxing and chill, but I, I I would never do that in real life. Like the idea of doing that in a video game, <laughs> hell yeah, sign me up. Well, I'm not gonna actually ride go a bike. And, I, mean, I go outside, you yeah, sit on exactly. a bench. All these, all these okay. above, right? Like you give me a game that is relaxing, and I'm like hell yeah. But I, I don't I do could, that in real life. I could do yeah. that in real life. Yeah. Know? Oh, well, I, I mean, either. it does. It definitely goes a little bit on that, and like there is like. There's a little bit of like a Tony Hawkish element to it, Ooh. to where like if you Go like on. smash your face into a rock and then you like see these like square blood spatter come out from your character. I did not just expect that. Yeah, yeah, I did not expect this. Just, just it's just a little bit that shows like yeah, you hit that thing too hard and your you know body went you know flying off the oh, bike man. there you know and, and then you just hit reset and start from the checkpoint. Oh okay, never mind. But uh, but anyway, so yeah, so you have the ex- that explore difficulty, and then you get to beginner. And so beginner, uh, like you don't have to meet these goals, but if you don't, then you don't really get any rewards. So you'd have to do the run again. But like they'll have like time, a time for you to get all the way down the mountain and then uh, a number of crashes. And so uh, if you get the time goal, then maybe you'll unlock like a customization option or a bike part or something like that. And then if you like get down and like, a limited number of crashes and like you'll open up the next course mm. um, and then the expert mode you'll unlock more things like uh, parts for your bikes that, or things that like maybe unlock another bike and then I saw that after expert there's also uh, no checkpoints run where you do the whole like seven section thing without crashing at all have you done any of this I have not done that no okay. or expert um, but if you do that then there's some hidden reward. They don't tell you what it is. Hmm. So, but I've basically just been like going to like, I want to see the next course. So it's like, I'll do 
first couple and then once i get to a beginner I'm like okay let me see what the next course is like and then uh after a couple of those I actually unlocked another mountain that was like more fall themed and had like some waterfalls and stuff and more like more points where you have to like do these crazy big jumps you have to speed up and like jump off jump off a rock over to another area you mentioned uh like getting off your bike and just kind of appreciating the scenery do you feel like that is pretty different from course to course where it's like, oh, I'm glad I got off here specifically because the, the view is different. Um, not necessarily. Hmm. Yeah, it's just kind of like, it, 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 it's just kind of like nice. that reward of exploration of like, sure. let me go down this thing. Does it actually lead to anything or am I just going to die? Hmm. And like, oh, this actually does go somewhere. And I feel like there's a lot of little moments like that to where you're not sure if this is a path, but you end up, you know, being rewarded for it one way or another, whether it's a, like, really extreme shortcut or it's, you know, one of those rest areas where you just, you get that little little stop, that little time to appreciate, you know, the woodpeckers hitting the trees or whatever. How long does it take you to get through a course? Um, like, your first time down, like, it can really vary because you're, like, messing around, but, like, the time limits are usually, like, around three and a half minutes or something like that. So it's not too bad. Definitely seems like a a nice, like, cool-down game in a lot of ways, which, considering what I'm playing right now, that could be very useful. Although Rune Factory... See, Rune Factory 4 is a little bit of a tricky beast because you think it's a cool-down game. It's not. Like, I'll just relax, and then you get sucked into it. And you're like, well, I got to check off these things. Well, that's why I think that's interesting about how this kind of works both ways because, like, okay, well, when you're exploring and when you're doing the beginner mode, like, it's not too bad, but... Mm. Even the time limits on the beginner mode, it's like, oh, I don't just get this because I did it. Right. Like, I need to start looking for shortcuts. I need to start figuring out, like, the quickest path that's going to get me down there without wiping out. So, Blood, this sounds pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, that's the stamp I'm going to give it. <laughs> pretty cool. This sounds pretty cool. Uh, but you know what is definitely cool? Resident Evil 3. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Brad, it, we are we are coming up on Resident Evil Three. Mm-hmm. I I broke down and I watched all that footage. I told myself oh, I wasn't. Oh, did you? Oh, yeah. And because uh, I'm hungry. Yeah, yeah. Okay? I under, I understand. Resident Evil Two remake is a good meal, and sometimes yeah. you just want to eat the meal. That's what I've been doing with Final Fantasy Seven remake, dude. I'm just eating it all. I actually have held off on that pretty well, other than the demo, I guess, yeah. which is like yeah, sure, whatever. Anyway, Resident Evil Three is a good game. You're revisiting yeah. it. You're hungry. Mm-hmm. For Resident Evil 3, what was it like revisiting the PS1 version? So, for a little context, I did this with 2 also, because I haven't played a lot of these uh, since they kind of came out. Ah. Since, like, yeah, pretty much then. And I hadn't played 3 pretty much since it came out. So I was like, you know what? I had a lot of fun going through the remake of 2 and seeing what was different in the remake. I'm going to do that with 3 right now. These aren't too long a game, so... Decided to boot up the old Nemesis, baby. Brad you, are, Brad, you are a man of culture. Yeah, and I was... I forgot how much of this game is much more out in op- out in the city, actually, of Raccoon yeah. City. You're mm-hmm. actually going through a lot of the city, like, to different locales. Like, I love 2, but a lot of 2 is just, like, you're in the RPD, then you're going underground. Like, it's all great, though. I think this was a nice step of, like, expanding Raccoon City. And it's just really cool, like, going through these, like, little areas, like the gas station, and you go to, like, um, you go to, like, electric power kind of area like that, and yeah. you go you go to the RPD also, and you're running through, and you're like, oh, this is cool, I did this in two, but, like, you're at a different part of the game when, like, Leon and Claire aren't actually going through there. And obviously the biggest hook of this game is Nemesis, 
which right. is still pretty spooky. Yeah. Well, still just the unexpectedness spooky. of him. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm like remembering a lot of this and how relentless he was in this. And I think of Mr. X or Tyrant, whatever, and remake and how relentless he is in that game compared to his original one. Right. I'm like, good God, he's going to be out of control in this remake if he's at this level right now. Because yeah. this guy will follow you through rooms. He's hunting me through multiple sections of the level, dude. And he's not an easy guy to take down. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, it's funny because we kind of had like this weird like like internet scare last week where there was this report that like, oh, he can break into save rooms, oh, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Blood, you are not technically wrong, but that is like so much more dramatic than <laughs> yeah. what actually happened. <laughs> internet scare. Like so many people were freaked out and like, like I can't oh, play God, this game now. Yeah. Nowhere to hide. Um, oh, my God. But and then it turned out that like Capcom was like, no, 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 no. There's that's not a save room. It's just you can save there, but it's not the same thing. But it is so funny because like that was like one of the things like Mm -hmm. you're not supposed to tell people where exactly he will get you. So what do you you put everyone in a panic for no reason? Yeah, we'll just hang outside the door. Uh, Brad, the first time I played through Resident Evil Three was was on stream at Game Trailers. Oh right, Mm -hmm. right, Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was my very. I mean, I, I had played, like, a demo or something before, but that was my first, like, substantial mm-hmm. experience with Resident Evil 3. And I was shocked how much I loved it because I grew up with the Resident Evils, but being, you know, limited on money, mm-hmm. there were just weird gaps in series that I liked. And Resident Evil 3 was one of those gaps. And I think even coming to it all those years later, I, I honestly think it stands toe-to-toe pretty well with other Resident mm-hmm. Evil games. Yeah, the part I think it slips is a lot of it's, like, it's boss encounters. I think the worm boss is bad. The worm boss sucks, and, like, the rest of the game you fight Nemesis, like, which is fine. Sure. But it's, like, you don't get a lot of variety, I guess. Sure, I think that's totally fair. But I think the biggest strength of 3, if, the thing I liked about the most was, like I said, like, the open of going out and, like, it feeling kind of big, especially at the time. Yeah. But you also get these really, like, small areas where you're like mm-hmm. you're in this you're in the clock tower you're only in the clock tower and it's very like old school it reminds me of the spencer mansion almost so you get those little tiny moments that you liked about the original ones but then you also get to go out a little bit and yeah. roam around yeah definitely i i totally agree with what you're saying about resident evil 2 the original resident evil 2 because while that whole game is excellent when i think about resident evil 2 like my mind immediately goes to that just incredible opening sequence mm-hmm. In the burning Raccoon yeah. City, um, and it is nice in three where you get a little bit more. Of yeah, you that. get a lot of that. Yeah, uh, which is really cool. Also, Jill is just the best. Yeah, she's awesome. Um, watching the Resident Evil Three remake footage, much like Resident Evil Two, I, I feel like they are some of those areas. Like it's evocative of Resident Evil Three, but it also feels so different, which is exciting. Yeah, you know, I think it is so cool that we're not just playing a literal interpretation. Yeah, me too. Uh, which is really, really neat. Yeah. Uh, also, like, one really unique thing about that game is the, the choice-making, the decisions yeah. you can make. Mm-hmm. It's With There's, Nemesis. like, not a ton, but there's, a would I'd, I'd say, enough throughout the game where, like, one of, them, one of the earlier ones is, like, you're in a restaurant and you're talking to Carlos. Mm. And Nemesis busts in, and it's like, do you want to hide or do you want to, like, go down in the basement or something like that? And it's just mm. cool that you have this little outcome. I saw, like... You could go, like, later on in the game, you can come in different areas, different ways, depending on what you choose. And I think that's a nice little way to add replay value, especially that game because there's only one playable character. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if the remake has any of that. I'm not sure. It'll be interesting to see how those playable Carlos yeah, sections I'm, pan out. Yeah, the, 
the Carlos section is really cool in this. You go to like this sweet hospital. Man. There's so much about Resident Evil 3 that I don't remember. And yeah. I, part of me is wondering if that is just... Because I feel like when you're streaming, it's right. different. You don't, it's you completely don't, different. You don't absorb as yeah, much. It's completely so different. I, I could actually stand to benefit from like a personal playthrough. Sure, yeah. Of Resident but yeah, Evil it was great. Myself. I had a great time playing it. Nice. I'm like, oh yeah, this is why I love Resident Evil games. Yeah. These are great, man. Um, so when the Resident Evil One remake came out on PS4, I know you played a lot of that, and mm-hmm. then obviously you played a lot of Resident Evil Two remake. Mm-hmm. Um, not necessarily talking about Resident Evil Three, but I think at Easy Allies, you know, we like to play Resident Evil pretty often. Yes, does we're fans. Does this? revisit make you kind of want to put that in the rotation more like did it kind of increase your fondness for it for three or for three, resident evil three. Oh yeah it totally did i was thinking about playing the game and i was like no nah, i can't hmm. i got other stuff i have to do yeah i'm happy i just got this in there yeah. nice yep 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 you know who else likes resident evil there's a game design student in mega man legends it's like I can't wait till you know I learn how to make games that are as cool as Resident Evil. Wow! <laughs> but the way that you, you framed that, I thought you were going to say Michael Huber. Yeah, <laughs> and I was just going to be yeah, like, yeah, I was like, yeah, duh, yeah. <laughs> duh, blood. Oh, Brandon. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Um, dear audience, before we move on to the next game, uh, something that I've noticed with the frame trap and some of the feedback that you have given me is that I am pretty bad about sticking close to the mic. And being the host of this show, mm. I talk a lot, and so that could be annoying. Uh, please let me know. It's something that I've tried to make a conscious decision to improve because it annoys me when I'm editing frame trap. So I think you are. Maybe we should put like 100% a note over right. there and just be like, talk in the mic. Yeah, something. I'm just a very animated person when I talk. Yeah, for sure. And then the frame trap has this effect where I just get more relaxed, and so I'll be watching mm-hmm. footage of frame trap, and I feel like halfway through the show, I'm like this, like, oh yeah, that's cool, Kyle. Yeah. Tell me about Pokemon. Yeah. There's, just, <laughs> there's, a, bat, there's a bathhouse. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just really easy to get into that vibe, but yeah. it is something Definitely. you know I'm trying to keep in the front of my frame mind. Frame trap's as best a chill ass show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, what is our next game? Oh, having gotten to play as much of this as I would like, this is the second time I feel like I can say this, where the first time I played it, I actually streamed it a little bit. I've actually played more now with the ultimate version of Warriors of Russia. Oh, yeah. oh, oh man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I just, I just ha- feel like you always have a, like a, a, a Muso game in your pocket I, I at do, all times. I do. I, that One Piece one's coming quick. Oh, God. I've been playing some Pirate Warriors 3. It's really good. <laughs> I don't have time for any of this shit. Yeah, but... how does he fit this in? Okay, so, so, Silencio. Uh, one, Warriors of Russia 4 Ultimate... <laughs> He's not a good game. Sure. I can't, I can't, I can't, like, get, like, consciously get on this podcast and be like, yes, this is, this is as good as some of these other things we're talking about. It's not. It's just not. But I love it, and I think, I think if you are like me at all, you can get a lot of pleasure. It's, it is mind-numbingly easy, and a lot of that could be the way that I'm playing it, but I, I post this message in Slack, and no one responded to it. Because no one else cares about Warriors of Orochi. Yeah. Saw it close, <laughs> yeah. close slack. Yeah, yeah. No one else cares. <laughs> it's fine. But I said, and this is the best way to sum up this game for me so far, is it has to be like some of the most dumb fun that I've ever experienced in a game. And I really liked uh, Orochi 3 as well. Orochi 3 Ultimate. That's kind of what got me interested in the series. But I feel like 4 Ultimate 
is even dumber and even goofier in a way that like I am all about. And like this game got so stupid <laughs> that I was laughing. Mm. <laughs> I, I actually was laughing at my television. Not like, you know, deep Not laughter. It was a, yeah. it was a, a, a shallow <laughs> laughter yeah. of, of love from, from a man who's trying yeah. to take stock of the simple pleasures in life. Yeah. But anyway, where's Roshi 4? What's so fun about it? is you can just kind of combo endlessly. Like, there are so many mechanics now where it's like, just never stop attacking. We're just going to make the numbers go into the thousands, and you're going you're gonna to feel good because you're comboing, and you're just going to see the numbers go up, and it's going to be amazing. And it just gets stupid. Like, you are attacking, and you're switching characters to continue the combo, so you'll do a combo with one character, and at the end, you'll switch to another character, and they'll keep going. So you're just pummeling endlessly and this is something that warriors orochi has done before but a new mechanic in four is the magic system and it's ridiculous like you are just like shooting tidal waves at these people like giant beams of angelic energy it is amazing and like it's just like you are waging death if you are somebody (laughs) who likes to wage death i don't even know what that means but you can get that in warriors orochi 4 ultimate and it's super fun. Again, not a good game, but where I lost my shit... But you're having shit, fun. Yeah. It, yes, is the plot. Here's the plot, okay? <laughs> I'm going to sum it up to the best of my ability, and I'm probably going to get it wrong. But you get all these different warriors from all these different time pe- periods, and they, like, get into a conflict with Greek gods and, like, Nobunaga <laughs> for no reason. It's always Nobunaga. Yeah, it is. It's always... Yes, it is always Nobunaga. And there's a point where I was playing is this, like, female ninja waifu, and she just deifies, is what they call it. Oh. And so she, like, kind of becomes a Greek goddess herself and gets these angelic wings and these revealing clothes, and she's like, oh, my. And you get even more powerful because you are a Greek god in this, like, ninja samurai battlefield destroying everything, and I was having the time of my life. Yeah. It's super shallow. Yeah, Ben, you're, their, you're their target audience. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's very, very fun. I think that is something that I, I like about Warriors Orochi specifically is how, is how goofy it is, and, of course... Other warriors' properties are mm-hmm. also planning goofy, but I feel like Warriors Orochi takes it at that extra level. And there's also kind of this tightness to it that certainly wasn't in Dynasty Warriors 9, where it, it feels right, uh, for lack of a better word. I've seen some conversation that people think the, the magic system like kind of breaks it and makes it too easy, and they're right. But if you were to break a game, it might as well be this mm. one. Like... It is broken and easy, and I'm kind of just swimming through it, but it's something where it's like, I just want like 20 minutes of this, yeah. and it's hitting that spot. <laughs> I don't know if these impressions did anything for anyone, but... Someone out there. Someone out there. Let probably, me know. They'll let you know, dude. There's okay. probably a lot of them. Brad, yes. uh, tell me about Pokemon Mystery oh. Dungeon. Is it Pokemon Mystery Dungeon DX? Yes. The full title? Okay. So... I've never played a, a a dungeon game. I guess this is a series Bloodworth told yeah, me. Yeah, mystery like, dungeon games. Mystery dungeon oh, games. Go, I've never played any of them. I haven't either. Goes really. back decades. Who yeah, knows when they this started. was a DS or a 3DS game or no, GBA, DS? GBA. This one. This one was the G, GBA. Okay, this game, was yes. the GBA yes. game. Okay, so it makes sense to me that this game was a handheld originally. How it's designed. So pretty much, I'll just get like broad terms. The whole game is. You go through a dungeon, 
you buy some items at the, the shop, the town nearby, you go to sleep, you repeat that throughout the whole game. It's the whole game. So you play as these Pokemon in this game where you, you choose a Pokemon who you want to be at the beginning. And I picked uh, talk, the, like this weird like water dinosaur. I don't even know what he is. Talk to that. Totodile? Yes, that's it. See, I'm not super familiar with all these Pokemon. Wait a minute, now. but you are a human that becomes a Pokemon, right? Yes. <laughs> that was an eye roll there. You don't see you don't see that. You're just a Pokemon. You don't know why. And you pick a partner like who's gonna be right through you the whole game. You don't know why? I don't know why that yet. That seems like important well, information. Like, they tell you throughout the story. Like okay. that's okay. that's the story of this game is why the hell you're a Pokemon and how it happened to you, okay? So then you you get this Pokemon with you, you pick your Pokemon. I picked Eevee to be my partner. And you make you make a rescue hey. team. Like all these Pokemon they're they're rescue teams in this universe. Yeah. I, I wonder if this game makes Kyle furious, just like what's happening in this game. <laughs> well, he said he was out because of like the the personality quiz that you have to take to be a Pokemon. Which is... oh my, well, you, so it it asks you questions at the beginning of the game. I did this twice, by the way. Okay, and it gives you different questions. I was surprised that. Okay, but it's like, oh, you seem like this Pokemon, and it's like, do you want to be? And you just be like, no, and okay. you just pick whatever the hell you want to uh, be. Okay, that's okay. hilarious. Yeah, I've seen that done before. Yeah, yeah. just give me some Pokemon I didn't want. I was like, I don't want to be this Pokemon. No. But, so you pick this Pokemon, your partner, you, you make a rescue team. Rescue teams are big in this universe, apparently. Pokemon that are like, they help out. They're mercenaries, pretty much. People give them tickets to help you out. Mm-hmm. You, go, you go to a dungeon and you rescue them. But the problem with this game is, going through the dungeons is pretty damn boring, dude. Mm. I get pretty bored doing this. It's super basic. There's not basic. enough to it? There's not enough to it. It's super basic. Like, it's cool, like, that it, like, implements elements from Pokemon that people like I could totally understand liking like you get your moves and as you level up you you pick a move to get rid of to learn a new one or something like that like sure. that's cool you learn new abilities I I don't know if there's evolutions in this yet I'm not I'm I think I'm like 8 hours in this game right now hmm. but you go through these dungeons super basic super basic layouts man and you're just going through and you're fighting guys and it's like kind of clumsy and kind of turn-based i guess like you move a tile it kind of reminds me of like necrodancer or something okay. like that you move a space and like something will happen enemy move like yeah. every space you move they'll react in that which, sense which seems typical of mystery dungeon totally games. Yeah. yeah yeah so you're just fighting pokemon through there and like every single mission is like you rescue pokemon or you feed them a damn apple or something like you you get on a floor and it's like <laughs> This Pokemon's hungry. Give it an apple, and you, you give it an apple, and it's like, yay, job complete. Like, eh, cool. And you, but you could do a lot of times, so that's nice, I guess. But it's just like this the entire time. You can also when you battle Pokemon, you could sometimes recruit them to come with you, which is cool. That is cool. Like you can roll with a squad of Pokemon. You can just totally wipe the floor with everybody. Do you have to negotiate with them, Shimigami you beat their, style? You beat their ass, and they're like, you beat their. Geez. You beat their ass, or you give them food, and they're like, hell yeah, thanks, dude. I'll fight with you. And it's I like, want to cool. play your version of Mystery Dungeon, <laughs> where they, where the Pokemon talk like this. <laughs> here's your damn apple. Yeah, here's your apple. You're like, Bloop, yeah. and they're like, oh sweet, I'll, I'll join your crew. Okay. So like, you go through the dungeon together. And at the end, you could keep them or they'll have to go away. And the way you keep them is by spending your gold to buy, like, habitats almost. Unlocking camps, they say, like, different habitat camps that the Pokemon could hang out in. So I have to buy, like, if you have a fire Pokemon, you'll have to have a fire place it can go hang out. And this is where you spend your money on most of the time. Some of these are pretty dirt cheap. Some are really expensive. So I still have a lot of stuff I have to buy. But I've bought a lot of them already. 
So you get these Pokemon, you can recruit them. If you don't have a spot for them, you still get gold, so you still get something out of it. But it's just so repetitive, and I think it works well. It, it works pretty well in a sense of like you you do one dungeon run or something like that. You know, you you got a few minutes. You do like twenty minutes or whatever. You do a run, cool. But if you're playing this game through a big session, when I was because I was working on a review for it, I'm yeah. just like, dude, this gets real old real quick. Sure. So I'm like, man, I'm not playing this game. I think the way I'm supposed to be playing it, but like, man, I got, I have to play this game. So right. it's you, you like a weird, like it's a weird catch twenty two. Yeah, the review, sure. And like, just now they're kind of introducing like story elements of like why I'm a Pokemon and like how it's happening. If you are a diehard Pokemon fan, I think there's some stuff out of here that you'll like because you get to play as Pokemon, you get to recruit Pokemon. Yeah. But for someone like me who's like, I loved Pokemon like back then, but I don't have like a huge affinity towards it now. I'm just kind of like, eh, eh, it's whatever. Brad, I'm very torn because uh, I've, I've actually had the the Pokemon Mystery Dungeon games on my radar for quite a while, specifically due to enthusiasm from specific I know, parts like of our community. The, yeah. yeah, like this has a big fan. I had no idea these games had like a big fan base or anything. Right. And I, I think I like Pokemon. I, like, I think I'm more attached to it than yes. you are currently. Oh, yes. Um, and there are some Pokemon spin-off games that I weirdly loved. Mm-hmm. Like, I really liked Pokemon Conquest a lot. Mm. Um, and so I, I have to wonder, like, maybe with, with like, more investment in Pokemon, you get more out of this. Or Definitely. Or if, if it is just too simple or if it's kind of like a it's mix so, between. So, like... I understand, like, I understand, like, going in this, I'm not, like, a humongous Pokemon fan. I sure. totally understand that. Totally, yeah. But that won't stop me from going through it if I'm enjoying what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And there's not enough there as, like, a not a diehard Pokemon fan to, like, keep me super invested. The raw mechanics are not doing it for you. Yes, it's very, it just doesn't do enough for me. And it's sure. just yeah. kind of slow and kind of boring. Like, if you like catching, if you like the uh, the idea of collecting Pokemon and assembling this team, like, you yes. you will be happy with this. But if you're looking for something a little more than that, you might not find it, like me. Yeah. But the game does try to do, like, some boss fights, I guess. Like, I fought a Zapdos or whatever, and I'm like, okay. oh, that's kind of cool. But, it, like, it's all very was it, simple. Was it challenging? I mean, Zapdos, no. Legendary Bird. No, 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 no. This game, like, this game's pretty, pretty easy to get through. Like, okay. I'm not expecting it to be a hard game that... It, that's fine with me. I'm okay with that. Sure. But I I feel so overpowered because by the time I get to the end of a dungeon, I got like 15 Pokemon with me. or It's not 15, but a lot with me. And they just go because they all hit them too. Right. And I just like wipe the floor with all these bosses now. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, that's cool. But like I did put in the work because I'm trying like the side quests. I'm like trying to see all the variety, all the games got to offer, all that stuff. So sure. I, I might be a little more overprepared than I am, which is mm-hmm. cool that you could do that, I guess. But right. We're gonna keep going. We'll keep seeing how it go, how the journey goes. So, I'll report back. Uh, Brad, not to take this away from Mystery Dungeon, but you did make me think of a point in Neo Two that I want to bring up really mm. quickly, where I actually really like the way Neo Two is designed. Where I love, like, I feel rewarded for going and doing all the side content. Mm-hmm. Where because you get so much loot, I feel like every time I'm doing a side mission, I'm getting better loot anyway. And because I'm doing a side mission, I'm getting more experience. Mm-hmm. And then you get rewards at the end of the mission. And then some side missions even unlock like additional features in the dojo. And I just think that is a big point in Neo's favor here. Mm-hmm. I love when games really make me cherish the fact that I, I put in the effort to do the other stuff. So the problem with a lot of the side missions, like I said, is like you're you're retreading the same ground, like the same dungeons, the same yeah. theming ones, and you're you're just giving them apple 
or you're finding them, These apples, and that's man. it. And you get like <laughs> you get like a you have like a rank that goes up when you do stuff. So that's cool. You can hold like more items and stuff like that. So like you get rewarded for it. But you don't. I don't feel like I get like super OP from it. Mm. The best thing the game gives you are these things called dojo dojo tickets. I feel like right now, which you can spend to go to another dungeon with a countdown, where you can kill guys, but you get a lot of XP. Mm. So I'm just kind of like, okay, yeah, I'm just going here, level up a little bit. The game has a auto Brandy soundboard, an auto like an auto uh, like walk feature for you in the dungeon. Yeah. So if you're if you're real bored, you could just push L and it'll like go through the dungeon for you. Mm. <laughs> but then you can just get in a fight and just push like A button. You can wipe the floor with most things. Gotcha. But yeah, yeah. I'm not giving I'm not giving up on it, obviously. But I'm hoping it does a little more for me. Brad, again, much like the Kingdom Hearts 3 DLC, I feel like these are these are super. I like this. I like this perspective. It'll be good going into it with. I'd still like to give it a try. I'm still yeah, curious. totally. I'm not saying not uh, to try it at all. For yeah. Sure, for sure, for yeah. sure. Uh, yeah. But you know, I, I feel like you are giving it an honest effort. And what I'm more doing can my you best. Yeah, anyway? yeah. I remember because I hadn't had a lot of experience with these either, and I remember I had to review the Chocobo Mystery mm-hmm. Dungeon. Oh, how on are the those? Wii. Another one that I've. I've but again, it's the same. It's, it's the I mean, same, same template. It's just right? yeah. Final the, Fantasy stuff. Yeah, Chocobo stuff. And like had a really cool opening cutscene. Really cute chocobo costumes, yeah. but like same kind of thing. Like I actually got into playing this game, and like man, this is super boring and super drab feeling. Like the hmm. the way the dungeons are kind mm-hmm. of designed and stuff. And so that's why it was funny. There was a Nintendo Direct, I don't know, sometime a couple of months ago or maybe a year ago now, where they announced they were like remastering that game, mm-hmm. and I would like just exclaim like, why? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, people. Because that was the exact yeah. same way I felt about Trigger. Yeah, people love like, it, man. Interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. We'll I, see. I always get fascinated by that. And I honestly, going back to the Musso thing, that is actually what kind of drew my interest because I remember growing up and not being impressed by Musos and game journalists repeatedly shitting on them. But there was this dedicated audience. Mm-hmm. I was like, I, I actually really love when that happens. Yeah. Because I kind of get in the mindset of, I want to try to understand this. I think I'm missing something here. And I did eventually find that with Musa, where I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I get it now. And so I'm hoping the same thing happens yeah. in Mystery Dungeon. Another one uh, that I've, I've heard people talk about highly is uh, Sheeran the Wanderer, I think it's called. Yeah, yeah that's the same. Yeah, that's yeah. basically like uh, either, but. The, the original IP. Mm. You know, so uh, that was the originator of the Mystery Dungeon. Yeah, and then it just kind of gets into yeah. different licenses. Yeah, it's a very simple game, but... I don't have a problem with a simple game at all. Right, I right. got no problem with the game being simple. I just, it's just not clicking. Yeah, something about it, it's just not clicking, man. It's okay. But like, if you love Pokemon, they got like a cute little village. That's cool. Like, yeah. there's things to like about it, but the main act of it, I don't find super exciting at the moment. Brad, I can't believe you just carelessly shat all over it. <laughs> I'm sorry, Pokemon fans. Uh, but today, what we're going to talk about on a Hotake. Whoa. Uh, is a pretty serious talk. There's something called the coronavirus going around. Oh, sure, yeah. I don't know if you've heard of it. YouTube doesn't like that word. <laughs> Probably doesn't like this show either. It's yeah. supposed, what, to, what it's supposed to be adapting those policies. Oh, okay. Uh, you can't even say it? Like, I'm not I'm not spreading mis- I'm saying it, the, the virus is Corona happening. beer. It's a thing that is going on. It picks on. up on it somehow. Robots. We are in 1984. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but what I wanted to talk about is kind of more of a th- theoretical hotake. Um, and I think I want to use the coronavirus 
as a jumping off point to talk about something because I've seen, you know, people are talking about coronavirus anxiety and then people are talking about like, oh, you know, I, my school got shut down or I, I'm home from work or whatever. A lot of people are going through unexpected time where they can play games. Um, but I was wondering, do these real world events, right, when there's kind of a crisis in the world or something going on, not necessarily at a personal level, but on a, on a broad, like statewide or countrywide or, you know, worldwide level, do they affect your enthusiasm or the way that you play games at all? Um, like is, is anxiety of something there's definitely an, it, yeah it's weird because it's like even though the, like I'm 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 pretty calm I'm pretty you know I'm like paying attention and like ch- checking up on what's going on there's definitely sort of this like I, I think we talked about a little bit today like there's sort of like this this brain lockdown that starts happening where like you're not really doing anything like you're just like I find myself getting into these sort of loops where like you know, because there's like a lot of communication and stuff. They're like, well, well, I'll check, I'll check the comments over here, and I'll check right. the Twitter, and I'll check this, and I'll check that, and I've checked everything, but I'm still just doing this stuff because my brain, like, it, it just doesn't know what to do right now. Right. And so, rather than, okay, doing the next thing, I actually really need to work on, or just starting a video game. You know, and that's the thing. It's like I just, I just need to push start right now. And then something else would like come up and like, oh, I think, yeah, yeah. Like you, you, you asked me like, oh, yeah, I need your help with the thumbnail. Right. And then like, okay, I did that. And then, oh, I, I get looped into something with chat. And then I'm back into like my little brain loop and like, okay, now let me start playing the game. <laughs> Push start so I can get out of the loop. And so I feel like that kind of mode that sort of comes up from anxiety sometimes. Like, you know, a lot of people have been like, all these companies are going to see how much more productive their workers are when they work from home. They're like, no, because everyone's just, their brain's on lockdown. Like, it's not really going to work out that way. Blood, I couldn't have said it better. I think that is a perfect articulation of what I go through and, and is a good uh, example of the times that we live in. I think you can actually expand this to the Kyle thing that we're going because there's so much, yeah. you know, response and feedback to kind of sort through with that. And that's fascinating. But uh, with the coronavirus, I find it like I always feel like there's like some new update right. that I'm missing, right? And it, it, I think that is its own minor paranoia. But when when you have access to information all the time, you know, you have social media, you have legit news sites, you have twenty four seven cable news, you've got YouTube. I feel like I'm going to refresh the page and get some new crucial piece of information because it always feels that way and it's marketed to feel that way, right? Right. Like everything is always at an 11 and that makes it hard. And I've noticed this, like it's not just with video games, but it's even more difficult for me sometimes to like just sit down and watch a movie or or watch a TV show because like I'll be trying to get invested in the story and all of a sudden I'm thinking like, oh, I'm missing something. Like I'm missing some key piece of news. And you said it perfectly at the beginning. You're not doing anything, right? Like, the, you, there's no. Very rarely do I think are you actually going to go and do that and and give into that impulse and get something worthwhile. You know what you should be doing is probably relaxing and taking care of yourself. But uh, it it affects my ability to enjoy entertainment sometimes at large, and I don't think that's healthy. Right, Brad, where are you at? Yeah, kind of the same. Like, I'll just get caught in a loop in my brain. I'm like, what am I doing? 
Right. I need to push start. Yeah, I like I need to I need to actually get up and do this. But I've been getting better at it. Uh, when you say you're getting better at it, what what are the steps that you're personally taking? I think that uh, it's just been like you. just like a slow thing over time of just being like actually doing it. I think so. I've been going to the gym for a while, like over the past couple of years, and sure. that's kind of like helped me get motivated to do something like motivation. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's just helped me even like in my my headspace of let's do this now kind of thing. So definitely, as weird as it sounds, like it's training my brain, I guess. And do you feel like uh, going to the gym and exercising, like when you're there, do you think like the physical effort of doing that stuff is is kind of distracting enough that your head isn't in that space? I mean, I, it definitely helps when you're like working out. Yeah, totally. For like sure. mentally, for sure. Um, Brad, uh, as somebody who's who's ramped up like just reviewing games mm-hmm. uh, a lot, especially within the last year. Uh, how has that process been for you? I know this is a little bit different than the kind of opening mm-hmm. question of the Hotake, but do you think that has changed kind of how you focus on games and, and eliminate distractions because of that increased workload uh, with reviews? Kind of. I feel like just doing it more and more and more will just help me mm-hmm. do it mo- better, I guess. Mm-hmm. I guess, like, yeah, I'm just, like, kind of getting, like, Small things I feel like are just getting a little easier for me. Sure. Even if it's just like a mental hurdle of like getting over something like not being stuck on like a paragraph for an hour or something like that. Like I'll just move on to the next thing. I'll come back to this later. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Just little things like that. Yeah. So just the, the, the increased way of doing it has, has opened up yeah. the, uh, opportunities. And yeah, because I'm the kind of person I feel like to get better at something, I have to do it a lot. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not a natural at anything. I feel like like I have to yeah. do this and I'll get better at it, but it just for takes sure. me a while. Um, I, I feel like, you know, trying to make this uh, a, a broader point than just talking about us as people covering games, but but kind of trying to extend it to the audience as well. Games, I feel like, have increasingly felt like more of a responsibility, and, and in a way that is often satisfying. Mm, yeah. But, uh, like, there's the way that games are being designed a lot of times now, where it's like they're repeatedly incentivizing you to check in. Whether that's sure, story yeah. DLC yeah. or daily challenges Definitely. or you know events or whatever it is, um, which I think when you're already feeling anxious about other stuff, and this might be a trivial point, but when you're already feeling anxious about other stuff, does does kind of the responsibility of games uh, make that even worse? Like, does this thing that is meant to relax you become its own source of stress? Uh, so I I look at it a different way kind of now because video games are our job. I always in the back of my mind think about how I could relate this to work in some way. I see. That's how I'm. It's not. It's not so much of like oh they keep adding stuff to this game, so I want to come back or like I feel like I have to come back. It's just the other way of like always thinking about something with work with it. That that's really interesting. So no matter no matter what you're doing, you're trying to turn it into a positive. That's it's cool. like it's not even that. It's just me thinking about it. Like ah. I like mm-hmm. I don't need to do this with everything, but my brain just thinks like that for a sure. second, where I can be like, no, it's okay. I can just play this. It doesn't have to be for work. Blood, uh, you are definitely somebody that that fascinatingly gets like locked into a game, and I definitely have mm-hmm. these moments as well. But I feel like you experience it even more intensely. Like I think about your time in Sekiro, or especially at Death Stranding, where you're just you're just kind of in it, and you yeah. are doing everything, mm-hmm. and you are, you know, going over it with a fine-tuned comb. Does that ever kind of turn into its own burden, where like you feel like that nature, like you you kind of want to move on to other things, but you feel committed to this game? Um. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's there's always that weirdness of the the backlog, right? Where 
like even when you're playing something that you're enjoying is like okay well the next thing and then the thing after that you know yeah. like i'm you know there's just you know like you're saying there's just so many games right. at any given time that you know you you could be playing so it's like i you know i'm enjoying this right now but i kind of want to see the other thing you know mm -hmm. and get through that and get through that so uh, and that particularly comes up at times like the awards because you know we actually do yeah, want to sample a lot of different things yeah, yeah. right um but yeah it, it's funny how even something like uh like you were saying like you you feel like this responsibility mm -hmm. and like and like one of the games i could have brought today was like doom 2016 and like but right. but i streamed it yeah i don't i don't need to like yeah talk about it more everyone knows how i feel about this game already right <laughs> you know so why you know why even like get back into that again right now so other than the fact that people are talking about mm -hmm. eternal coming up so uh you talking about you you streaming in and kind of uh getting some coverage out there it's been really interesting seeing audience feedback on how we cover games um because it has kind of changed my outlook on it like obviously we heavily prioritize reviews and i think that does well for us and i think a lot of the audience really does appreciate that, but it's been interesting to see people, and I think this kind of really kicked off with the Ghost Recon Breakpoint impressions mm -hmm. that uh, Huber and Brandon did, where they're like, we kind of just want you guys to get at a table and, and talk about a mm -hmm. game specifically outside of Frame Trap more often. Yeah. And seeing that feedback come up again and again, that has definitely changed my mindset. And so it was nice like sitting down with Brad's mm -hmm. on yeah. PSO2 and Neo2, and it's not that... I don't think a review for Neo 2 would be worthwhile, but having that back and forth and having somebody ask you questions and maybe think of things that you couldn't get, but have it not be couched into a giant show like Frame Trap yeah. is really valuable. I think the strength is like both. I like the idea of both. Sure. Like superficial review, like super thought out, you know, re right. really digging in deep, but then also talking about it with you is that it's a completely different thing. Right. So I think yeah. there's value in both. Yeah, I can. Yeah, I and that's why I've never like dictated a preview style yeah. because like the circumstances really could change in, can make yeah. that different you know like, yeah. sometimes it's it's easier for you to just write something out right than to try to schedule okay i need to get some who who actually has time to talk about yeah. this right now and, right. and, and all and that it's like, like yeah, no there's two days did you get to actually capture yeah. the game or something right. like yeah, that yeah. yeah and well that's the other thing it's like sometimes it's easier to have a conversation because yeah. Sorry, we they wouldn't let us record anything, so that's all we got is what we can say. Oh man! <laughs> oh, I want to say something, but I couldn't. It, 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 let me just say it in a very general sense. It is a bummer when you think you're going to get captured for something and right. your plans change. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, I, I do think there is value in both, like you said. And there's some games like let, let's just say Xenoblade Chronicles, for instance, or Xenoblade Chronicles Two, or Persona Five, or something, where it's not that I don't think we could sit down and have a good 20-minute conversation. Yeah. But sometimes things are so dense that it's yeah. hard to do it. And I, I think the organization of writing really helps clean things up. Yeah. Like, yes. I think you can get, like, your full thoughts out in, like, five or six minutes in a review, which is right. nice. Like, right, right, right. that's, a, like, a much more time-efficient way for someone to watch it. But there's also the longer... If we talk to each other, it's like 30 minutes. So you get right. like yeah. really in depth. Uh, like Death Stranding is a good example yes. where we had conversations about it, but I think those conversations would have been a lot messier for me had I not been able to kind of distill my thoughts into mm -hmm. writing first. Like that, 
really cleaned things up. But I think another ultimate point here, much like the staying close to the mic thing, is let us know what you like because it definitely feels like the landscape of what people are valuing out of game coverage mm-hmm. is changing. Um, yeah, and, it's, and, and it's we've been trying to do things. more of those conversations yeah. when yeah. they come up, but it, it's it's this whole weird mix of factors. You know, it's like right. what game is it? When does it come out? When do we get it? When well, does somebody else get it? Get yeah, it, that they right. can talk about it. You know, it's like all of these different things, and then like, what else is shooting that day? It's like, oh, we've got six shoots that day. I guess we're not going to talk about this. You know, mm-hmm. so it it, it is a, a weird little juggling act to figure out when yeah. those things actually work. Right, and there, I also think there's a kind of inherent um, tension between. Maybe what you want personally and what the audience wants sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and finding that balance, I think, is important. So, like, a good example is our reactions do really well. Reactions are not my favorite thing to do, not because I don't have fun with you guys or I don't want them to be on YouTube, mm-hmm. but sometimes I get frustrated where it's like I'll have a reaction and it's like, you know, three hours later, I'm like, man, if I could have just sat and thought about this for a few minutes, sure, yeah. I would have had a lot more meaningful things to say. Sure. Like, it's sometimes it's hard being on the spot and, mm-hmm. and, and feeling like, you're saying something worthwhile. And so I think yeah. for, for me, that can be frustrating about reactions where it's like, I don't think I'm giving all of the best stuff that I could yeah. say, uh, for sure. But I feel like when the review comes in for something like that, it addresses that other side of the coin. Mm-hmm. Totally. That's a good point. That's a good point. Are we yeah. ready for some, uh, sorry, blood. Didn't mean to cut Oh, no, I was just, the other thing I was thinking is just that like, you know, sometimes, one of the things that can be frustrating with reactions is like one person will like misinterpret something and say something. Right. And like three seconds later, it's like, oh no, we understand that. Right. But like everyone will hold that first thought to the fire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, why did you think that? Like, well, right. Because it was live. <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> right. Like, you don't understand. Like, the benefit of being on the other side of the screen can be. You know, it's different. And yeah, it's, it's well, and it's seeing the thing after you already know what it is rather mm-hmm. than we're trying to figure out what this is. Yeah. But it is it is interesting, though, because list, there are times, uh, honestly, where I listen to other gaming shows or something and somebody says something like, no, that's not right. Mm-hmm. How could you not know? And so I think I think there's just something that's kind of human nature. Yeah, about yeah, it, definitely. Where, you know, the level of obviousness is, is different depending on the person. Are we ready for some emails? Yeah. Our first email, what is the time code? I wish I really would have brought my iPad. It would have made things easier. <laughs> first email is from Alexander. And I just got to say, there are several people uh, within the Easy Allies community who are, like, are always out there, like, always. Like, Alexander is always, without a fail, the first person at the Q&A. Oh. And it sounds like I'm coming after him, but this is a sign of respect. I, I just appreciate that dedication. Um, and we have several fame trap emailers who who like are always in there always submitting may not always get picked but you know i see you and i appreciate yeah, you thank making you. the effort uh that's really good our first email comes in from alexander he says sharing video games with close ones mm. hello bad and panel my dad doesn't play video games besides a couple of puzzles on his phone and he prefers to spend his free time watching some tv series or sport events once or twice a year, I'm showing him a full playthrough of some game I think he might like watching, but I have to pick short and story-focused games to keep him interested. Over the years, we've played games like Life is Strange, Until Dawn, Detroit Become Human, The Last of Us, The Evil Within 2, and Control, but I never dared showed him one of my favorite genres, an RPG. 
But this January, we watched The Witcher on Netflix. But you got to watch that. I still do, yeah. I want to talk to you about it because you, we, you we, know more about The Witcher than any of us. We stopped at the DMV, and so I was able to like start rereading that first book for a few minutes. But Rereading? The dedication, Just watch man. the show, man. I love it. Well, no, I need I, to read the I second book. It. So. Uh. Yeah. Anyway, but this January we watched The Witcher and Netflix, and I decided to use this opportunity to show him one of my favorite games, The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt. Doing only critical path quests on the easiest difficulty took almost 30 hours, but despite my doubts, he enjoyed most of the journey. Mm. Nice. Novograd wasn't his favorite, but he liked it overall. He even stayed for some to replay some of it to get a different ending for Siri and then look through a couple of art books that I have. Hmm. This isn't exactly a question, but if you have some similar stories about hesitating to show a game to someone important and then overcoming that initial doubt, I would love to hear them. Um, I didn't get all the way through it, but uh, I, was, I had sort of a similarly surprising experience uh, with my dad and uh, Eternal Darkness. Mm. <laughs> I was like, I was just That's like, I'll really sit cool. down and like show him a little bit of this game, you know, and, and I don't know, he probably won't care too much. But then, you know, he was like, oh, keep going. I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> Did you guys play the whole thing together? No, we didn't okay. play the whole thing, but mm. yeah. I, yeah, yeah a, few, a few hours I've of that. I've never had an experience like that with any of my family or anything. Brad, I want to give that to you. <laughs> oh, I don't like. I don't really need it though. Like yeah. my growing up, my my dad would like see me playing something. Like, oh, is this a new Zelda or something like that? But, like, yeah. yeah. And he goes, oh, cool. And he like watch for like a couple minutes, but that's about it. Okay. So, I would like bring my Sega Nomad to all over the place mm-hmm. and like my Game Boy and stuff to like family events because I was a nerd and my family would always say the same thing. Across both sets of parents, they would always just say the same thing. And it ended up driving me crazy because it happened for years. Whatever game I was playing, they would just be like, are you winning? Oh, Are you no. winning? Are you winning? Are you winning? It's like, well, there's more to it than yeah. that. <laughs> they would always say that. But the thing about it is, Ben, is it, it was never like a problem for me. I never felt the need to really show it off because I had so many friends growing up that played video games. It must be nice. So I, oh, it, was, <laughs> it was very nice. So I always had someone to talk to about video games. Like, I grew up with Mike. So yeah. obviously I had that there. My brother would check out what I'm playing and every now and sure. he would play something with me. So I was pretty chill most of the time. Nice. Uh, something that I was blown away by, is, and I've, I feel like I've told this before, but uh, my wife, Abby, no one hates horror more than her, which is why it's so Maybe much... Mike's wife. Oh, yeah. Beth, Beth doesn't like horror. Um, she doesn't like horror at all, and that's why it's so much fun to consume horror stuff yeah. with her. And maybe, maybe this is just... Maybe something's wrong with me, but I feel like having somebody with you who is genuinely terrified mm-hmm. like increases your enjoyment so much. Sure, yeah, it's it fun. Really does. It's fun. Because then you both laugh about it and everything's great. But anyway, she hates horror. One of our most cherished playthroughs was The Evil Within 2. Ooh. Huh. And I, I still don't fully understand it, but the way when I was like, why this one? Because we've tried other things, like we played... She stuck around for most of Silent Hill 3. Uh, she hasn't really clicked with any of the Resident Evils, but mm. there was something about Evil Within 2. She was like, I really like picking up the green goo, and I like the progression, <laughs> and I felt like I was contributing because it was kind of more open-ended, and sure, I could help yeah. you find stuff, and so it felt like a participatory sure, yeah. thing. And so mm. I thought that was really fascinating. Our next email 
comes in from Morgan. Hopefully, I'm not rereading a Morgan email like I have done before. <laughs> uh, dear Ben Sama, I'm glad to hear that the PS5 will be backwards compatible. Wow, you can your weeb car will never get taken from you again. That's what he said. I That's know. In the email. Uh, I know. I'm disrespecting the email. It's tattooed on you now. <laughs> Dear Ben Saba, I'm glad to hear that the PS5 will be backwards compatible, but I would really like to see Sony and others make an investment into full catalog access. You and the panel were talking about preservation, and it makes me wonder about everything that will be lost over the years, especially as antique hardware deteriorates. Mm -hmm. What about the PSP and Vita libraries that we could see a second life on PS5? Uh, is classical game preservation from console makers a pipe dream because there is not enough money to be made? I also recognize that more beloved games are genuinely cared for and periodically remade, but I want to focus on libraries as a whole. Does the panel envision companies like Sony, Nintendo, and Microsoft making such an investment, or should fans be begin preparing for older media to fade over time? I, just, I feel like that's like a licensing nightmare on yeah, a lot of that stuff. That, that is Crisis definitely, Core, uh, Final Fantasy yeah. VII. Yeah. Yeah. Like, obviously, I would love to have, like, hey, you have access to the whole GameCube library or something like that. That'd be awesome. I just don't think it's really feasible. Yeah. Some I, of those companies don't even exist anymore. Yeah, so that's like, the thing. It's like, who has it's the their game. So, you know. Yeah. I do feel like technology dictates a lot of it. And this is not strictly yeah. game preservation. I don't want to make that case. But I do feel like this has been an encouraging generation for... Things being revisited. Yeah. And I think a huge reason for that is like, you know, a big marketing thing for PS Now, right, is experience all of these different PlayStation kind of games from different generations. Yeah. Uh, the Xbox One backward compatibility. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like there was, there was some pitch behind it, but we're also at a point where we can easily do that via digital access. I also think you're seeing that with the Switch where the form factor of the Switch is making things enticing mm -hmm. to consumers in a way that maybe it wouldn't quite be if they couldn't take it on the go with them. So you're getting all these collections on Switch, which is really neat. So I do think it has been encouraging, and we seem to be in a nostalgia-driven market right now. So I do think going into the next generation, I'm optimistic that we'll get more of these trips back. Yeah, I think it'll get better yeah. about being able to access old games, but I don't think... like. I don't think it'll be perfect. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it ever will. But I that think it'll Blade get Runner better. announcement this week. Yeah, what? like that Blade, Blade Runner, Runner yeah. announcement. Right. Well, there's that, also that uh, Panzer Dragoon VR game. Oh, okay. That is taking you through different eras of Panzer Dragoon, and then mm. we just got a Space Channel Five VR game. Right. So it's like Weird things. Yeah. That you that you yeah. didn't necessarily expect. Go Sega. Go Sega. Uh, <sighs> next email, our last email, comes in from Alex, who is quarantined in Athens. Oh. Mm. Hi, allies. I live in China, and as you know, the country is under a bit of a lockdown with my city under a sort of self-imposed quarantine. Lots of business re businesses, restaurants, and shops are all closed. This sounds far worse than it is, as I have tons of time on my hands to play video games, namely Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Oh. Holy crap, I didn't realize how good this game is. I haven't played an Assassin's Creed game since the second, and I've been blindsided mm. by how much fun I'm having. Mm. Just such a great nice. RPG led by an amazing protagonist. I chose Cassandra. Good choice. And I even have time to complete all the usually annoying question marks. So my question to the panel is, have you had an experience of the right game at the right time in the right place, and what was it? Yeah. Uh, Assassin's Creed Origins, when it came out, mm. I played it over just like on our Christmas break or whatever, man. Yeah. And I was just feeling it at the time. Yeah. Cause nice. I think I had been burnt down Assassin's Creed. So I like 
came back after a little bit or whatever, mm-hmm. and I just felt like rejuvenated almost. Um, my boss at uh, Video Games Etc., a mom and pop show, a shop in Iowa. I think there might be a store in Illinois as well. I worked there, and my boss, Joe. Joe. Shout out to Joe. Joe Baker. Super cool guy, way into heavy metal, nice. way into bad horror movies, and was super passionate about Yakuza. Really? Oh, no. He like beat the drum for Yakuza so hard. Mm. And I, I really think he was a driving force to get me into it. And the first game I played in the series was Yakuza 3. And uh, I loved it. Mm-hmm. And so uh, had I not done that job and worked with that guy, probably wouldn't have been into it. Also, Mario Strikers Charged, co-worker, introduced huh. me to that. Oh. That was pretty cool. So, yeah. Um, the thing that immediately came to mind was uh, when I was... Um, between jobs, bef- between uh, G4 and GT, uh, Dragon Quest Eight. Oh, you know, my God. just having that time. Yeah. Like, right. All right, I get up. I've looked at all the job listings there are to look at. I've done everything I need to do to be responsible with my life. I guess I'll just play more Dragon Quest Eight. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> dude, I did that. I think I, I think I was first year of college or something like that, like after high school. Yeah. The sum, my my JRPG summer, dude. I did Final Fantasy twelve and Dragon Quest eight back to back. Two behemoths. Two wow. behemoths, and it was cr- it felt good knocking nice. those games out. Very interconnected games because uh, the Dragon Quest eight had the demo for Final Fantasy yeah. twelve. Yeah, yeah. Um, I try to make it a point to play through a big one during Christmas break. I don't. I feel like I don't always succeed, but right. I remember. Like playing through all of Valkyria Chronicles Four during Christmas break, mm-hmm. and that just felt so good. Yeah, it's nice yeah. when you just have that time to be like, "I'm going to take on mm-hmm. a meaty one." Where you don't have like a project looming over your head or yeah. something. I, mean, I probably had a project looming oh, okay. over my head, no, but no. still, it, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you always have something to review. It was nice, um, but that is going to do it for Frame Show. I was worried because we had so many games to talk about that it was going to be bloated, but. We're at two twelve. We did it, baby. Yeah. I don't know what happened, and it felt like it felt like the conversations were substantial. Let us I, know. Yeah, I think so. Cut the fluff. Cut the fluff. Efficiency. That's what Easy Allies is all about. Uh, if you would like to send in an email, email askeasyallies at gmail dot com. One more time, the e- uh, email address is at askeasyallies at gmail dot com. It feels good to be back here. Mm. It feels good talking with such wonderful panelists like Daniel Blowworth and Bradley Ellis. Thanks for being on the show. And thank you, of course, until next time.